Let all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. Let all acquaintance be forgot in the days of Odd Lang Syne. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. My name's Love the Song, Don't Understand the Words, John. It's something about a sign. And together we're Henry and John, and normally we'd be coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist in order to make the world safer for Christmas. But this week is different, because this week is the last week of 2023, give or take a week. And so there's no coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist because we're going to be cu- coming at you to discuss the, 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 what's past tense of happening? What has happened this year in the cultural zeitgeist to determine if this year is good or bad? Indeed. And also, just to keep in mind, this is the one night of the year we are given special magical powers to strike things from the canonical record. What we deem as best shall live in perpetuity and infamy. What we uh, list as worse will also live forever in infamy. Everything else will be stricken from the record forever. And if you've ever heard us talk about something that we have stricken from the record in past years, no, you didn't. We imagined it, and it just bore resemblance to the thing you're thinking of. Yes, for one brief three to four hour period, we are blessed with God omniscient powers to strike things literally from the zeitgeist to say that no, actually, that did not happen, or no, actually, they were not funny and or worth remembering. We delete them from the record altogether. We only remember the superlatives, the literal best and worst because who has time for a gray area certainly not me in this moment of having omniscient godlike powers i mean if we learn anything from the powerful it's that they deal in absolutes but i believe uh anyone who hasn't listened to this before might not know we do this in categories 10 i believe on this night at least uh On this night, we do the year in 10 categories. Three of the categories are persistent. They happen every year, those being the first three that we'll get into. And then three categories are picked from a smaller set of categories. Uh, I actually forgot to get suggestions this year. So this year, like most things, like the rest of our lives, the categories have been supplied by ChatGPT. And then the last four categories will be pulled from a giant list, one through 97. And they might include things that aren't culturally relevant anymore. I, those are some of my favorites. And I, yeah. I'm glad to see that you're using ChatGPT for its best use case is when you just can't. Uh, my favorite thing now is you can overload ChatGPT with so much information that it just ignores half of it and so i think the more you we do that the the, the worst is gonna be it's gonna be great but i i loaded up our entire list of categories from over the years and said don't repeat any of these and it repeated almost all of them and i added them to the list anyway so hell yeah you know we'll do be repeats fun. who cares yeah, yeah. 
But let's just sort of talk about 2023 on a high level before we get into it. Um, 2023 was an odd year. I mean, in terms of the numbering, yes. That's all I got. It was it was an odd year. I don't know. I, I can't even think about this year until we've gone through the work of setting it all into context with the categories. Yeah. I was going I was doing some research for the categories that all stay the same, and I was amazed by all the things that came out this year. It was a long and short year. We are experiencing, we are deep in the phenomenon, phenomena, phenomenas. Uh, as you get older, years seem shorter, and I'm terrified of what life will feel like when I'm 50, because we bought one of those little days until Christmas things where you like move the numbers around. I think I update it every day, but every time I update it, I have to advance it by like seven days. It's amazing because I was at work and I had to write the date for some reason and I wrote the date and I was like, well, that can't be because that's only like five days until Christmas. And then like I looked at the date and it's five days until Christmas. I'm not even fucking kidding. I didn't realize it was five days until Christmas until you just said that. It's insane, right? Like time just keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. But uh, so I, I, real, I did that joke thing where it's like, oh, it's an odd year. But um, no, really great year for media, which we'll, we're going to get into. We're going to discover there were a lot of great choices for some of these categories. Uh, just a phenomenal year for video games, for movies, and for television shows, the first three categories. Because there, there was a lot to scythe through, sift through with my scythe. And to, to find some of my superlatives. So th this is going to be an interesting little contest. We will fight live on air right now about the best and worst things. Uh, and I guess maybe toward the end, we will come to some sort of conclusion as to whether or not this year was a good or if this year was a bad or somewhere in between. But we only deal in absolutes. So it's going to be one of those two. Yes, I have some theories about which way this one's going to go. I'm excited for the fighting. Uh, as with every year, I think there's some things we'll agree on. Uh, but it will come to blows. It will come to virtual blows as we are not in the same person. We place... Oh, dude. Henry, don't let people know we're inside the same person in a meet Dave style scenario <laughs> where we control one big giant guy. <laughs> it's like being John Malkovich, only we're both in here at the same time and it's a little cramped and awkward. Yeah, and uh, I'm John Malkovich. I'm John Malkovich. Uh, Malkovich Malkovich. Uh, best part of cinema ever to be put on film is when John Malkovich enters the John Malkovich door. It's truly Charlie Kaufman is is a great gift. Uh, so that being Except said, Anomalisa. I, I feel like Anomalisa was kind of wearing your insecurities a little too close. Whatever. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, great. Run. Don't walk to see being John Malkovich in theaters now. And with that plug out of the way, very timely plug, thank you for the sponsor money, Charlie Kaufman. Let's get right into our top 10 list, best worst 2023. 
Starting with the number one category, best worst movie. Of course, the uh, most important form of media, the movie, not besmirched by the the hands of bureaucracy or or capitalism, the purest expression of art, the movie. Yes, uh, everyone involved in movies are all paid equally for being artists. It has nothing to do with how much they can sell, how many butts they can put into proverbial seats. And with that little wrap-up, John, what is your best movie of 2023? And it better be good. It's, well, to be best, it has to be good. Now, there were some truly phenomenal movies this year. Yeah, name a couple so they can be stricken from the record. (laughs) (laughs) The one that pains me the most and was very nearly my best movie of 2023. But I know it can't win, and it's not actually my best movie, is Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese. Uh, Phenomenal movie, top to bottom, truly incredible, really needed, really, really needed an intermission. I, I love Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm just giving the space it needs under the sun before it is, of course, killed like Lenny in Of Mice and Men. Very interesting that you would name a movie that's going to be struck from the record, because you said it's not your best movie. Well, it can't be, can it? I guess it can't, but that only begs the question, what is your best movie? Because you're giving a lot of time here to Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes, phenomenal performances, top to bottom, Killers of the Flower Moon. Saw it three times. That's like over 10 hours of Killers of the Flower Moon that I've seen. Ate a pizza, a whole pizza while I was watching it. And yet, and yet, it's not your best film that you Uh, still have not named. Most of my TikToks are like BTS reels of like the cast of like Killers of the Flower Moon, like talking about the weather it's just it's a world i could live in forever henry and yet (laughs) you literally can't because you need to name your nominee for best movie for 2023 unbelievable performances from leonardo dicaprio alone (laughs) truly truly incredible like a range we have never seen before but One would be remiss not to mention Robert De Niro in the twilight of his career delivering a truly incredible performance as King Hale. One of the greatest movies of all time. Is the name of the movie King Hale? No, that's his name, King Hale. In what movie does he play King Hale? Killers of the Flower Moon. What is your what is your nominee for best movie? My nominee for best movie is sadly not Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon. It is not. It is not. Despite the unbelievable score and incredible cinematography on display. I'm going to write down Killers of the Flower Moon if you keep going on about it. I'm going to say that was your nominee no matter what else you say. I'm a simple man, and I think 
movies when done well are done with love like movies are pretty fucking hard to make right insanely expensive yeah to make one truly from a place that you as a creator a multi-hyphenate creator have had in your heart for decades etched into your dna i would be remiss if i did not say that my best movie of 2023 was in fact godzilla minus one wow i i love the movie i recently rewatched shin godzilla to reiterate that it was my favorite godzilla movie and i'm torn uh godzilla minus one was a huge dark horse for my <coughs> for my rankings this year um it came in kind of out of nowhere rose up 30 stories tall and just tore into my preconceived notions going into this up from the depths even up from the depths of course uh if you want to hear more of our thoughts on godzilla minus one please check out our supplemental reading that came out last week about it it is a phenomenal film it is great it almost made my best movie really it very nearly did but um do you want to say more about godzilla minus one before i go into my stuff I so my journey with Godzilla minus one was we had been receiving from Toho post Shin Godzilla and even slightly pre Shin Godzilla amidst the legendary pictures deal a series of like Godzilla 3D animes that like I hadn't seen but I've heard are surprisingly good and when Godzilla minus one was announced I assumed because of the legendary pictures deal we were not getting a live action Godzilla movie and we got a Godzilla movie that is pure love from top to bottom. A, a, a love that is suffused from its creator and from its team, not only to our favorite 30 story tall lizard, but to a nation and to its people and to hope. It's, it's truly a beautiful movie and a labor of love. And it has to be my best movie of the year. I really like this pick for best movie of the year because I think movies at their core for them to be elevated to the level of art, like most film is art, but the really good art ones are ones that one, you can tell that every fiber of the film is made with love. And then two, it's got to like have a takeaway message that is bigger than the film itself. And Godzilla minus one does that in spades. <clears throat> As does my pick for best movie of the year, uh, which is I a different I, yeah. movie. Uh, this is this movie that I picked is one of the best comedies I've seen in the past couple of years, and it had a message that rung through the humor and na- just nailed me to the movie theater seat that I was in in such a way that I still can't quite describe how I felt while watching it. But I think it resonated with a lot of people. It was like the breakout star of the summer. Uh, My pick for best movie of 2023 is Barbie. Really? Yeah. 
I uh, so I was going through the list of movies released this year, and I definitely saw Bart. Oh, this is tough. Oh, this is tough. It, it's funny because our picks for best movie of the year uh, are kind of akin to a lot of childhood battles between brothers and sisters. It, it is. I also think that our picks for movies are pretty interesting They're... in the ways that they differ because Godzilla minus one is like a very facially a love letter to a fictional character and Barbie is like a phenomenal and very honest love letter to like an estranged relative which is the idea behind a toy yeah, an, an idea that maybe doesn't quite exist in this modern day as it once did, but we have here in front of us a physical representation of what that was, and now the old has to meet the past in a way that the ideals of the past cannot continue to exist. It's an erosion. We're watching a real-time erosion of ideals and an embracing of new ideals and a funny little package with some really great jokes and a good musical number and just a weird kind of sadness much like godzilla <laughs> i i do think barbie is very interesting because i think what barbie attempts to do is very laudable in that with love, every, everything that is like made fun of in Barbie, I believe comes from a place of love. It's a tough love movie that wants to drag the audience kicking and screaming into the modern day. Right. Uh, and as such, being that it is a very timely, contemporary, popular, positive message about the way people actually feel, conservatives hated it. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it is completely rooted in the counterculture of today. Like, it is at the same time sincere, but it also undercuts itself with some irony because that's just, that's what you have to do to get your message across. Like, you can't be 100% sincere. You got to under, undercut stuff because, you know, you, you just, you can't wear your heart on your sleeve. You'll get hurt. So your sleeve has to be from Hot Topic. It's just how it is. And then on the other hand, we've got Godzilla minus one, a movie that wears its emotions on its sleeves and the, as like the most sincere thing I've seen in a really long time, no undercutting, no irony at all in the film. Like the film says what it says and it means what it says. And it's all on surface level, but you can dig deeper for like some allegorical meaning in a way that's just like, I, I hope filmmakers pay attention to because it's like we we need to stop doing this quippy undercutting irony that we do in our humor because it's it's starting to turn people off i mean i think that for godzilla minus one in particular the thing that i found so enthralling about it is that it is uh anti-fascist pro-human but most importantly extremely earnest like there yeah. essentially nothing in that movie is played for laughs like the no like 
other than like the the essential funniness of certain human interaction like there's no emotion that's sold out from under a character uh and i think that there is i don't know barbie definitely feels like a contemporary american movie informed by a certain kind of screenwriting and i i could definitely see your argument for barbie but i do have a criticism what is your criticism of one of the most feminist movies from the past 10 years the existence of ryan gosling (laughs) hear me out ryan gosling very magnetic everyone's obsessed with him i think he's great i think he's 70 percent of a truly phenomenal actor um but like i feel like the cultural imprint of barbie on our generation which is to say like mid to early millennials is just people being like oh all that ken stuff was so good like everyone's talking about their mojo dojo casa house and everyone was doing the the ken song on TikTok, and like there were there were multiple like ken centric sketches on snl and i'm like i feel like that was in the transmission medium of Barbie, the thing that made the pill easy to swallow was Ryan Gosling. And I feel like for a certain portion of the audience, his performance and his incredible musical number gave people permission to not process what the movie was really about. Uh, and I would, I would maybe, I don't know. I, I guess you can't criticize like what the impact of a film is. You can only criticize what is clearly what the creator intended, right? Right. I, I mean, so wait, are, are you trying to say like even on this our, our own show when we covered Barbie and we talked mostly about Ken, you're saying that's a problem? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it's absolutely a problem. I'm saying when I was running in the morning and I was listening to the Barbie soundtrack before my terrible Achilles injury, uh, I would just like skip to the Ken number and all the Ken stuff is great. And I, I worry that all the very like bald faced revolutionary stuff in Barbie was like, forgotten because everyone's like so under Ryan Gosling this isn't a genuine critique by the way I actually think that Barbie should take best movie (laughs) uh but it's a concern that I have because it doesn't seem like our generation seemed to really digest what was going on though you hear bits and pieces yeah well I'm sorry based on that criticism it sounds like sounds like Barbie can't win no no Barbie has to win (laughs) No, I, but you just argued just a really salient point that because with Godzilla minus one, like the message rings through beautifully and clear. There is no muddling. There's no like standout other story or, or B plot or actor that's, that steals focus. So I, sounds like to me, sounds like you destroyed Barbie single-handedly and you shall be responsible for deleting it from the record. I don't think this has ever happened in a best worst before, but I am abandoning my movie (laughs) and saying that it has to be Barbie. It truly does because Godzilla is great. And I love the, and also I won't get into it. Uh, Unfortunately, the movie that you picked is now taking on a life of its own and is now 
rearing up from the depths, standing. Oh, now that I dropped the bomb that (laughs) Ryan Gosling is too likable. I think what we have on our hands here are two movies that are accomplishing the same thing in different ways. So I would be swayed to allow both of them to be the best movie in that they are essentially the same, but accomplishing different tasks. Yes. I I will say that Barbie is a much more cynical movie, but its message is one of positivity and hope for the future. Whereas Godzilla Minus One is a very earnest movie with a general idea of positivity and hope for the future. I, I think they're just they're they're of the same ilk. They're in the same sort of genre, exploring the future by examining the past. One more so literally than the other, but to the same sort of effect. Yes, yeah. I think that I would agree with that. So both Barbie and Godzilla minus one are the your best movie. It, it, it's 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 a perfect pairing. It's it's um, Barbiezilla. Hold on, are we saying that the best movie of the year? And we can only do this for this category because there is precedent in Barbenheimer. Right. Is it Barbzilla? I think we're striking the Heimer part from the zeitgeist and adding Zilla. It's it's Barbzilla minus one is the movie of the year. This has never happened before. Look, Barbie paved a lot of roads for a lot of people. Um, Barbenheimer was a huge marketing success. And I think that's shown in the, uh, what that allows in the zeitgeist is pairing Barbie with a different movie. Because let's face it, Oppenheimer was just okay. Oppenheimer was an excessively cynical kind of pointless movie that I think I enjoyed as as spectacle. But looking back, I'm like, this movie wasn't really like, you know how people, there's this whole Alan Moore lecture where he's like, a movie's not a plot, right? Like a movie's about something. A plot is just an element of being about something. Yeah. Pl- and I truly have yeah. audited this for hours. And I don't know that Oppenheimer was about anything that humans haven't been thinking about for the last 70 years. Like it, there are yeah. no new ideas in Oppenheimer. It was a flashy documentary it was a flashy biopic but it was a flashy loud movie being like what if nuclear weapons are bad and once we uncork the bottle we can't put the contents it's like people have been talking about this since the bombs dropped my man like there is not a single new idea in this there's a literal movie series a franchise if you will that started nine years after the dropping of the first bomb oh my god and it involves a certain titular giant lizard. Maybe, Christopher Nolan, you should check him out sometime. We are replacing Oppenheimer with a movie that is actually about a new lesson you could learn from the proliferation of life-ending weapons. I think what we're doing here is we're fixing a mistake. It should we have are been fixing a mistake. It should have been Godzilla minus one sharing the title card with Barbie. It should have been Barbiezilla. Yes, Barbzilla, best movie 2023 done. And Boom. 
Dusted. This is unprecedented, will never happen again, and do not expect ties for the remaining nine categories. No, we're going to really fight over this because it's time for the opposite side of this coin. The worst yes, movie. And I, I think what you, you what you said earlier about... Off, okay, pre-roll. In the pre-roll, you talked about picking something because... It is sort of like, this is everything that's wrong with movies, or, or, or the category. This is the category going in the wrong direction. And my pick for the worst movie of 2023, I think, is, embodies that perfectly. Um, this is a movie that was overblown, overmarketed, overhyped, and then came out and did utterly nothing. And in the face of its own marketing, kind of showed how pointless these very exciting or hype hyping cameos really are uh because spoilers it introduces these two really cool characters and then you just watch them die over and over again i knew it with, i fucking knew no it. resolution and and then we move on from that to finish the story but there's no redemption meaning everything we've watched for the past you know hour to or 45 minutes to an hour meant nothing and in, in the grand scheme of the story and i think that is such a betrayal for the viewer my worst film for 2023 is dc's the flash that is totally fair and it was one of my candidates for worst movie of 2023 yeah i just think this represents movies going in the wrong direction learning the wrong lessons of using nostalgia or using what ifs to for the marketing purposes if it doesn't benefit the story, it doesn't belong in the movie. So my pick for worst movie of 2023 is a movie that I think dragged down the careers of several promising actors, was released as a, a total thud, and I believe this movie was in fact the final nail in the coffin for turning me entirely against superhero movies. Wow. You can that, pinpoint the moment. The moment I finished this movie and I was like, I think I'm done. So for me, the worst movie of 2023 is, of course, DC's Shazam Fury of the Gods. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, and no. I, here's the thing. Both of these movies, the worst movies of the year. The Flash was on my list because, and I'm going to make my argument for Shazam 2 right here. The Flash was on my list because obviously I don't give a shit about the plot of The Flash. And in fact, once you show me a superhero movie that is bringing back Michael Keaton, I'm like, that's cool. I don't care. We've been doing like the multiverse stuff for a very long time now. And it is very disheartening to see people... Uh, wheeled out onto the screen just to get butts and seats because we learned that multiverses are a thing we can do now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's honestly, it's really, it hurts to see people who watched last year's best movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and learned the wrong lessons from it. They just saw, oh, multiverse works. They didn't see, oh, character-driven stories can incorporate a lot of other things things as long as the character moments are earned and are good and you can like feel them 
all they saw was flashy multiverse stuff. We got to do that. It's hot right now. Let's put that in our movies. And it sucks. I mean, what's the what's the movie that started the multiverse fever? Spider-Man, of course. Right. No uh, way home. And that it it opened the idea of this crisis on infinite earths kind of idea that you could bring in characters different timelines travel through time and broke open the pandora's box of like ip that's eating its own ass all the time and i think that everything everywhere all at once should have been the last multiverse movie because it was the best one and I do not care when a movie is like doing multiverse stuff just brazenly to get some old actor or or new uninteresting idea in a trailer to get butts and seats. Not interested. No. But I think my main issue with The Flash is The Flash shows us that beyond a shadow of a doubt, if a studio wants it bad enough, someone can be uncancelable. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, uh, for no good reason, too. Like DC or what is it? Warner Brothers does these yeah, movies. Who does WB. the DC movies? WB was like, this person allegedly groomed minors, assaulted people, broke into people's homes, did the most cancelable, cancelable, cancelable behavior they possibly could. However, DC and WB's well had run so fucking dry, they didn't have anyone who was a good fit for any of their fucking characters, except Henry Cavill as Superman, and they totally mismanaged that relationship. And they were like, well, fuck it, right? Like, we are going to make a bet and make a big budget, totally fucking awful movie starring Ezra Miller, because they at least kind of seemed to be liked by fans. So yeah. the flash, the flash two, or no, it's just the flash incredibly cynical movie Shazam two. My argument for Shazam two is as follows. Everyone in Shazam two is innocent and the movie still sucks shit on the <laughs> level of the flash. It was I wanted to like it. I really did. The first Shazam was pretty good. It was. And this one seemed to have all the makings of also a good one. But then it just... Who cares? By the yeah, end of it, the movie. It, 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 it fell into the DC trap of just being like a milieu of nonsense and bad CGI and just not enjoyable to watch with an awful script. And it just wasn't good at the very least i can say of the flash that ezra miller is now in another really bad movie but to drag zachary levi down this far i just can't forgive that it is exhausting being a fan of dc comics because at every turn we are betrayed we're promised this one's going to be good or decent. This is going to be the start of something. And at every turn, that's just not true. It's a thousand broken promises or empty promises made over and over again. 
for the wrong reasons. It's not to serve the story or the characters that we love the best. It's to serve the bottom line of the movie. Make as much money as possible with the IP they own. And it sucks. So I agree that both of these movies are the worst movie of the year. Because they're kind of like of the same genre. Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of the exact same movie. Because right. can you remember, like, three compelling plot points of Shazam 2? Can you remember three compelling plot points of The Flash? No. They're, they're, the, they're the same kind of, like, garbage soup. It's just a question, Henry, of whether we want to deem a movie for being the worst because it totally ignored social mores and cast a person who allegedly did many uh, unthinkable things? Or do we want to consider the worst movie of the year to be one that implicated a lot of relatively innocent and very talented people? I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I think we do both. They're both crimes. They're both crimes. We can't do both again. You just, you said they're both the worst movie. You said that like not five minutes ago. So I I thought we had already agreed. We just did Barbzilla. You said they were both the worst movie. You said that. Yeah, they are both in the running, I think, objectively Uh, for worst movie. I'm saying we can't tie. We got to have this one out. I think social mores are, oh, this is hard. One commits literal alleged crimes. The other one commits the crime of murdering careers, which maybe they'll bounce back. We don't actually know. I think real world alleged crimes are worse than Hollywood showbiz crimes. Yeah, 100% agree. Zachary Levi is going to, Zachary Levi is like six foot four and very talented. Zachary Levi will bounce back. And you know, we're we're Uh, actually doing those kids a favor because if we strike this movie from the record, they're free. They never did it, and their careers can bounce back. Yeah, all those talented young actors, plus Zachary Levi, and then whoever played fucking Satan in the last 20 minutes of that movie, uh, agreed. The Flash 2 is the worst movie. of the Or The Flash. The Flash. The Flash is also one of the worst movies of 2023. Yes, I am perfectly okay saying it's The Flash. I just didn't like it. I'm sure there were actually worse movies out there that I did not see. But as far as movies I saw, and I saw, I don't know, let's say average two a month. So let's say 24 movies. This was the worst of 24. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like for movies, especially we stand on principle and that our worst movies are usually ones that uh, signal some kind of like a deep rot in the human spirit of today. And I think The Flash is a yeah. great example of that. Absolutely. Like it is, it is like... Space Jam 2, weaponized nostalgia for the sake of weaponized nostalgia. It doesn't accomplish anything. It does not serve the story. It just sucks. And WB, you got to stop fucking doing it. WB did Space Jam 2 as well. I know. And they also did Ready Player One. They've okay, got fuck one off. move. WB. They've got one no. move. WB fell off ever since they took away Lola Bunny as Big Naturals, Tucker Carlson. 
And that brings us to our next category. I'm going to let that that wasn't the last word, but let's go. Let that be the last word. Our second category, of course, is the best worst video game of 2023. Uh, A lot of great games came out this year. Almost too many for me to have played. And spoiler alert! (laughs) And spoiler alert! Uh, once one game came out, I actually stopped playing new games altogether, and you might be surprised to find that that one's uh, my best game of the year. But uh, uh, what do you got to say about this? Okay, here's my pitch for my best video game of 2023. Uh, I am a lifelong Zelda fan. Oh, hell yeah. The first... So the first video game I ever played was Super Mario Brothers on the NES. And then, of course, I played like Metroid on the NES, Castlevania, the classics. You played a the really, NES was yeah. my first console. You had a good, rich background or origin story for video games. I've played a lot of video games, and most of them have somehow ended up being the most famous ones. Almost makes me feel like I died when I was 11, and this is just a dream. <laughs> Uh, but lifelong Zelda fan, played the original Zelda on the NES, did not particularly care for it, as a matter of fact. However, my first new video game console was the Super Nintendo. And I got it late, a couple years late, and Nintendo, about two years into a console's life cycle, starts to market it with a game. They sell a combo pack. And I received the Super Nintendo and the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Oh, hell yeah. And I have probably played that game for 5,000 hours. <laughs> like, And this I was played... this was in March? <laughs> this is in March of this year. It was, you know, wait, what year is it? Um, but a Link to the Past, lifelong Zelda fan, have played, well, had played up until Twilight Princess every single zelda game ever released including the weird ones including the cdi ones i played every zelda hell yeah twilight princess kind of broke my love affair with the franchise it was kind of uninteresting sorry it's probably my least favorite zelda game though looking back on it i think it actually did some things that were really really interesting and really cool i think the control scheme was really what i had issue with but then zelda games came and went which is to say not many of them were released maybe on like the 3ds or whatever zelda breath of the wild came out totally reignited my love in the franchise zelda breath of the wild might be one of if not the best video games ever made and when tears of the kingdom was announced yeah i was like there's no way There's no way this can possibly live up to what was set before it with Breath of the Wild. I played it. If Breath of the Wild was The Bachelor, The Bachelors, not The Bachelor. (laughs) If Breath of the Wild was The Bachelors, Tears of the Kingdom is The Masters. It is harder. It's more complex. It's more interesting. It's more beautiful. There's so much more going on. And then Baldur's Gate 3 came out, and I stopped playing it entirely. <laughs> because, yes, 
for console games, I am a lifelong Zelda fan. But in my life, I am ten times more the D&D, Neverwinter Nights, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale fan. Because I'm an old school fucking graybeard idiot nerd. And Baldur's Gate 3 fucking blew Tears of the Kingdom out of the water. I haven't played it since I got Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, let, let me tell you a little story of a studio by the name of Larian and how this year was the vindication and validation that I needed. Uh, Larian's been around for a while, uh, a really long time. In fact, they've been making games in the classic RPG genre uh, for decades. And recently they had a, a minor resurgence. They had two hit CRPGs, uh, Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2. And those games I have played hundreds of hours between the two, completing challenge runs, dissecting, just playing the game through for fun. And then they went quiet for a really long time. And there was an announcement that they had won the rights to make a new Baldur's Gate game, a, a genre I, uh, or a franchise I hadn't really heard of before. Um, looked into it, Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons. Sounds like a really cool background for their particular style of game making. And they went quiet for a long time. It, there was some early access stuff, but then years later they released this year, Baldur's Gate 3, a game I have now sunk over 200 hours in. It, it, it's a perfect video game. It's a perfect story. The characters you care about, the facial animations are some of the best in the business. Nothing looks bad in it. It's fascinating to me that Starfield and Baldur's Gate 3 came out in the same year because you put those games up next to each other and you can just see the quality in one and then just the skating by on old technology and the other. It's insane. Baldur's Gate 3 is the best game of the year. It might be the best game for a while because I feel like it's setting new standards. So I have a history with Larian in that I... I can track most of Larian's games back to Divinity. Uh, and this is pre-Divinity Original Sin. Divinity was a real-time action RPG, kind of in the vein of like Baldur's Gate, closer to a Diablo. And then they released Divinity 2 The Dragon Knight Saga. And Divinity 2 The Dragon Knight Saga is more in like the Elder Scrolls Oblivion mode, but third person, you're walking around, you're interacting, you're fighting in real time. And it took so many fascinating lessons from like uh, classic RPGs like Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale. Like you have a flying fortress, you can upgrade really interesting relationships with NPCs. You can read people's minds, which you could also do in Divinity. And also through every Larry, <laughs> they fucking love that you can read people's minds. It's like a fetish of theirs. I don't know what it is. Uh, but when Divinity 2 The Dragonite Saga came out and I played it, I was like, this is really something. And at the time, there were two studios that were putting out really 
interesting RPGs, and that was Spiderweb Software with Avadon the Black Fortress, which is a very old school, almost closer to like an Ultima V. And then there was Larian following in this like real-time Baldur's Gate mode. And I was like, well, neither of these companies will go anywhere. And then through sheer grit and determination, Larian has persisted to make Divinity Original Sin. Not a particularly interesting game, I don't think, though their co-op elements were heavily borrowed by Divinity Original Sin 2, which was incredible. Right. They, they like, have maintained a core team and a core ethos. And I feel like a a genie granted their wish because they've been wanting to make a Baldur's Gate game this whole time. And they made a phenomenal one. Everything's true. Everything you want, every dialogue choice you want is pretty much represented. And to think that a studio that made a low-budget kind of Baldur's Gate-y game like 12 years ago could release a game in the same year that the next Bethesda game came out, the new Bethesda IP came out, and fucking kick its ass? What a story! It, it it bears disbelief, you know? It doesn't make sense that the most... And it's it's winning awards left and right from, like, legitimate sources, not just us. Like, this is, like, people's genuine game of the year pick for the year, and we're, we're, we're kind of joining the bandwagon there. But it earns every second of the praise it's getting like it, it is uh, it is the perfect playground for role playing it, it, it's like playing dungeons and dragons with the world's best dm ever yeah it's it's playing dungeons and dragons with a dm who can who's like you know what you can romance two people and i've specifically engineered a circumstance where you'll have special dialogues about the two people you're romancing at the same time and you can make it work yeah and like perfect playground for the people who just want a power game and do like really specific overpowered builds because there's no one else at the table that you're you know um stomping over to make that oh, happen it's so fun to power game in Baldur's gate three yeah. uh lazelle like y- relatively early in the game you can stack a certain number of feats and abilities on lazelle especially if you're playing a druid where from turn one she can traverse the entire battlefield in a single jump action it's phenomenal yeah i mean if you guys have played Baldur's Gate 3 and you haven't tried the monk class with all the very specific monk gear you get, and also the tavern brawler feet, and also just elixirs of hill or cloud or hill giant, uh, dude, that is some of the most fun I've ever had in a turn-based game. Monk is the next one for me. Yeah. Very excited, very excited for my monk. Sounds uh, like we're in yeah. agreement that Baldur's Gate 3 is the game of the year for 2023 which is insane because we had so many great games come out but a turn-based rpg based on dungeons and dragons takes the cake yeah i mean diablo 4 came out this year and if you know anything about me i'm a certified diablo freak Spider-Man 2 came out this year, and I have not played it. Oh, I'm a certified Spider-Man I haven't played it because I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3 for the past three months. 
It's unbelievable how good it, it is. Makes... Even on the PS5, it's good. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I've been doing Best mods game. now. Mods are fun. Oh my god, it's great. Best game, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, the other side of the coin is, of course, worst game. Uh, a category that I... Um, I had to do some... I'm going to say leaning on outside parties because I don't know about you. I don't play bad games. Um, yeah, I don't really play bad games either, especially in a year where you had a real, a, a really lot of good games come out. And so it's, it seemed like there were three or four big contenders for worst game. And I don't know if this is a coincidence, but they were all licensed products. Um, mm-hmm. There was like a, a, a King Kong Skull Island game that apparently had really funny, bad uh, cutscenes that weren't rendered properly. Um, there was another bad, maybe a RoboCop game that people didn't really like. And then there was a game that not only failed to deliver on the premise and promise of what it was, it also plagiarized the story. And then when they apologized for their game, it turned out they just used chat GPT to write an apology for them. It's a weird story that bears more looking into, but I don't care to look more into it. Uh, my worst game of the year is the Lord of the Rings Gollum. I am I am fascinated in the story of the Lord of the Rings Gollum, to be honest with you, because it's created by like a point and click adventure uh, developer who made like this point and click adventure called Deponia, which I despise. I, oh no. I hate that game. Oh, it's like no. it's a do you know anything about that game? I don't. I really don't. It's it's literally it shows up in the humble bundle all the time, uh, but it's like a point and click adventure game where like what if you were like a snarky redditor who went back in time <laughs> and like interact with fancy? Tr- I fucking hate that game. Sounds like a great stupid. time. <laughs> it it really it really sucks and it's written from a really cynical place. And I'm fascinated how they got their hands on the Lord of the Rings IP, and I'm not surprised that they like totally phoned it in and then they bit off more than they could chew and then they had to like use chat gpt to i mean i'm gonna <laughs> look into that that's fascinating to me yeah i might be conflating some things i'm definitely paraphrasing but i'm pretty sure they when they apologized it was just chat gpt I feel like we're going to be seeing that a lot. I'm considering my past hatred for Deponia, which is not a thing I've thought about for 11 years. Oh, God. I am perfectly okay saying that is the worst game of 2023. Yeah. Did, did you have a nominee for this or you're just, you're. Uh, it was like the King Kong JPEG game. Yeah. Like, I, I, th- I just didn't play any bad games. Also, I think something that has kept me from playing bad games is my gaming PC has not been hooked up for over half the year. And most of the really bad games are, are on, on PC. PC. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just, if you phone it in, we're going to call you out. Like, you can't get by in this industry making or, or, or like not putting in your best effort. It, that's just not going to work. Have you met gamers? They. They're the loudest consumer base of all industries. 
Yeah, they had a whole gate. They had one whole gate. It's just funny that there are people out there. Like, there's another one that just came out called, like, uh, The Day Before or Days Before or something. I don't know. And it was literally just a Unity asset flip build as a huge Last of Us MMORPG. And it the, <laughs> Amazing. the studio is now, like, folded. Then it turns out they didn't fold. They just went under a different name to try to really develop the game that they didn't actually develop. You just can't, if you you can't have, pull one over on gamers. They don't allow it to happen. If you have $1,500 to spend on the Unity Asset Store, you can fool a few people, but yeah. not everybody. Not, not on the level they were doing. Uh, so that's Worst Game of 2023, bringing us yet to another category. The last of our predetermined categories, Best TV Show. Best TV show. This one's going to be contentious, Henry, and I have a, a qualifying question for you. Uh, please. And I ask this every year. What's up? This is every year for a specific reason. Is this a show that aired in 2023 or started in 2023? Uh, season. Uh, so my answer to this is my best TV show for this year is a specific season. Does that answer your question? Yes, uh, because I had answers for both. Right. So go ahead and uh, you know say succession, and we'll we'll move on. It's succession. It's it, succession. It is. It is. I mean, succession is the best show on television. And there was a time when like Lost was large was roundly considered the best. Oh man, show you remember, on television. Remember how innocent we were when we thought Lost was the best show on television. But I think that. Succession, the final season of Succession, of course we know that the writer's room of Succession is incredibly talented, but it does take an unbelievably deft hand to land a plane that's that fragile in one piece. The The ending of Succession, I think, should be studied. It was perfect. Like, per, capital P, perfect, 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 the ending of Succession. I I don't know how they manage it. I have no criticisms about how that show ended. It's fast. I've watched yeah. the finale six times. It is, oh, that's, okay, that's saying something. It, it, it's fascinating to me that the ending wasn't bad. I watched it, I will say, and I enjoyed it. And I, I felt like it was, a, it was a natural conclusion. It was really good. And, um, but because it wasn't controversial, I kind of watched it and then moved on, you know? Like, it, it mm -hmm. was so good. It was kind of like that quote, like, when you do things right, people might notice. Not, not, people don't know that you've done anything at all. Um, and I think that kind of stands true in this case because it was a really good thing it just it didn't stick in my mind because it wasn't bad <laughs> i feel like for a finale to not stick in your i mean it, it sticks in my mind only because like the ultimate like the terminus for all of the characters is perfect yeah like ev it is it is so perfectly planned particularly like you don't realize, I can't spoil it. The you don't end. realize, too new. you don't realize until the end of that series what the A plot really was. Right. And then in retrospect, you realize how 
much of a fool you were to not realize the biggest thing that was going on and the the two most varied and energetic and fascinating characters of the show you're like oh shit they were the main characters this whole time you had no idea yeah oh and you like, had no idea that's it, it's the fact that they can do a twist not in the plot but in the mind of the viewer yeah wow it's very fascinating certain character decisions that were earned early on in that season or in previous seasons completely warped by the ending that when we see where characters end up we're like oh yeah because now blank has no choice but to mm -hmm. blank you know and i know you know exactly what i'm talking about we just we both watched the show but it, it this is going to be a hard battle for me because succession... i can't believe it i can't believe it isn't yours I, can't I believe it. This could be this could be young love. This could be uh, puppy love. But a show got a second season this year that had some of the best character work. Has one of the, in all honesty, I think one of the best episodes of television that has ever aired. You know, I appreciate that this is coming in late in the year, but I, I will hear your case for Reacher season two. It's not reach your season two. God damn it! Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I I'm not on that. I'm not on that dad, <laughs> that dad shit quite yet. You're not on Yellowstone as two spinoffs yeah. yet. I really, I really just love in the context of Reacher. Like every, every uh, culture rag is like, why dad? The new dad genre rocks Reacher season <laughs> two, and I'm like, hey, I'm all here for it, but I haven't watched it yet. No. Um, this was a, a show that had kind of a rocky season one. It was very chaotic. Turned a lot of people off. Season, oh, God damn it. Season two, like, they really slowed Fuck. down. They really, like, kind of delivered some two of the best episodes of television I think ever created and aired. Aww. Just really deep and great character studies. My pick for best TV show is the second season of The Bear. Fuck you, Henry. Oh my god. And this is this. so I hate hard. This. I hate this. Because on one hand you have... I fucking hate this. A show wrapping up itself in a, a perfect terminus. A perfect send-off to what is ostensibly one of the best shows on television. And far as far as character acting goes, like Succession is one thousand percent character driven. The plot doesn't really even matter in Succession. Succession, in aggregate, is the best television show of the last ten or maybe even twenty years. Yeah, Succession is what Game of Thrones wishes it could have been, and I totally agree with you. On the other hand, we've got season two of a fledgling show we don't know how it's going to stick the landing we don't know if that's going to happen but here in its maybe middle chapter we've got some of the best tension felt on tv and one of the best redeeming arcs in one episode oh, for I one fucking of hate you i fucking hate you a, a character Jesus, i thought you wouldn't i'm just saying I watched both of these things. This is one of the first time. Well, no, I've watched. I, I experienced a lot of the things that we've talked about. I'm saying Succession did its job and it was great. 
and it didn't stick in my in, in my mind. And I'm in, this is anecdotal evidence. It does not actually bear any weight. But I think about Forks and the mm-hmm. Christmas episode of season two of The Bear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. almost every goddamn week of my life. This is a knife fight in a phone booth. This is a situation I never wanted to be in. This sucks. This is. Let me tell you why it sucks. Why does it suck? Because Succession was amazing. And I was so glad that they landed the ship. But given what we had seen, I wasn't surprised. We know that the writer's room for Succession is extremely talented. And in the first season of The Bear, a show that I dearly wanted to enjoy, it was a fucking mess. I think the first season of The Bear was top to bottom a pretty amateurish, cringy effort. Like, there were certainly parts that I liked, and there were great performances, and it's no shame to the actors, but I thought the writing in the first season of The Bear was too cute too neat uh it it felt kind of like someone's like college art project or college uh like writing project i guess and then season two of the bear fucking blew me away other than and this is contra to succession i feel like the finale had some of that shit in it too I feel like the finale of the bear season two, I'm like, this feels like it's written by the people who wrote the first season. It's too cute. It's too manic for the sake of being manic. It sells out character behavior for no reason. It makes things happen just because they're convenient from a storytelling perspective. I did not like this, the finale of the bear season two, but every other episode really phenomenal. This is hard. This is a fuck. This is. They're perfect yin and yang opposites. Yeah. Because I am judging the final season of Succession on its last episode. And I'm judging. And I am judging the bear season two on everything but the last episode. It's it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating problem we're in. I don't even want to fight because I love them both. We have to kill one of them. You said we can't tie anymore. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. I. Hear me out. Can Hear I save out. just those two episodes? No, 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 no. What? Just the just those two episodes of the bear. The bear. No, I. Here's the thing, I think you've convinced me. Oh my god. And that's why I think this is hard, is because we've had, we had prior to this, five seasons of incredible television. But the bear season two feels like lightning in a bottle. Like the the Feast of Seven Fishes, I think, is the name of the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a Christmas episode, but yeah. Christmas episode, yes, yes, yes. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that on TV. No. It's like a full the, play. The stodging episode with Olivia Coleman. Forks. I watched that episode three times. I I watched that episode and sobbed to a Taylor Swift song, which I've never done. Yeah. I 
in that episode alone, I've never had such an, or at least in recent memory, I have not had such an immediate emotional release as I did during one specific thing. Yeah. And I don't know that I ever felt that way in Succession Season 6. I think it's the Bayer Season 2. Look, man, I'm not here to fight. I'll take it. Succession did a really good job. Did a great job. Did a great job. It's gone. I guess it's the bear. I guess it's the bear. I mean, to totally redeem a show that I wanted to like so much and make it one of the best things I've seen all year. Yeah. No mean feat. No mean feat. And this was a really great year for television, too. There were some really strong contenders. I think Beef was really good. Oh, I was going to... Beef was my runner-up to succession. If it was a show that started... In 20, beef is amazing. Beef, beef is, to yeah. me, in a way, is like the everything, everywhere, all at once of television, in that it perfectly captures a moment, has an incredible message, great cinematography. Yeah. Beef was amazing. Beef was really good. I think Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is worth mentioning. Uh, Blue Eyes sure. Samurai, of course, phenomenal. Um, just some really great TV in the latter half of this year and in the beginning half. Um, I, we can't forget Gen V, I guess. Gen, Gen v, v was, was fine. Good. Gen V was good. Yeah, I liked it. Really, kind of liked it more than the boys, but that's we're not here to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, because they both don't exist anymore. Right, because only the bear season two exists. Of course. Of course, there was also a lot of bad TV. Yes, um, great a, transition. A lot, lot of things getting like revamps and, and reboots that maybe shouldn't. Got a name just like, wait, what, what's it, what is it called? And that, huh? and that happened, or and the next thing, I don't know. The fucking Sex in the City reboot sure. that nobody liked. Uh, there was some others. My worst show is a show I did not watch, but people love to talk about. They love to talk about hating it so much that I feel like I learned more about the show from people hating it than I could ever learn from watching it. It's a little look into the music industry that aired on HBO, and it starred a guy who's formerly now formerly known as The Weeknd. I don't know much about it. I just don't know anything about it. It's called The Idol, and it's apparently the worst show on television. Yeah, a lot of people really hate The Idol. Uh, that is not my pick for worst. Please. Uh, My pick for worst, if we're talking about our worsts being indicative of some great sickness at the heart of humankind, my worst is, of course, Squid Game the Challenge. You know, uh, yeah, because Because if, (laughs) if, if a company can make hundreds of millions of dollars off of the very earnest thesis that a creator puts forward to them for an original show and then totally undercut that thesis by turning it into a game show for the fucking Mr. Beast crowd. Like, totally ruin everything revolutionary that this very novel series put forth. That's the worst show of the year. It's fascinating how and, and we're now going to join the, the choir of voices who are singing this out it's fascinating 
how the message can be missed so hard. Like it's one thing for Mr. Beast to do it. Mr. Beast is as he's young, he's got way too much fucking money and he's just after views. So he doesn't care about the message. The message is not he just cares about the spectacle. And that's yeah, his, Mr. Beast is a viciously smart idiot yeah, and that's his whole typically brand. those people have a lot of money. Right. And and that's that's his shit. That's what he does. It's another thing for the 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 people who bought your show and paid you the agreed upon price, not knowing it was going to be a phenomenal hit. They were just buying a bunch of Korean dramas at the time because they saw that their demographics liked Korean dramas. So they, they pick up your show, they pay you, you know, a, a fair price. You're relatively new to the industry. And then it becomes the most... I don't know, cultural phenomenon for a full year and they reap tons of benefits and they give you no royalties and then they turn around and turn your show into a game show still not paying you. That's fucked up. Yeah, you 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 literally make a show about how late stage capitalism forces people into an arena of spectacle for their only chance at like living a better life either through fame or through money. And then they're like, I guess that was about a game show, so we'll make a game we'll make show, a game show out of it. It is, I think the existence of Squid Game the Challenge is indicative of a great sickness in at the heart of late stage capitalism. Yeah. Absolutely. And people people counter this argument by being like, well, they don't die. And I'm like, fucking, of course they don't. I'm not saying what they did was literally make a real-life Squid Game. What I'm saying is they took this creator's vision and totally undersold it by turning it into a neutered spectacle. Yeah. And that's evil. I'm sorry. That's It's just evil to do that. I think we're in full agreement. I, I think the, the idol is indicative of an industry uh, industry woes, but I think Squid Game is, is speaking more so of where we are as humanity, which is the, the, the purpose of this list. Um, and we are now entering the point of the late stage capitalism spectrum where it becomes a joke. And that is the most horrifying part of the spectrum. Ernesty is dead. Nothing has a message anymore. Everything is plot. Who cares? He's standing in the face of the very best movies that we just literally picked is this, which just kind of is a slap in the face. More Godzilla minus one. More Bar. More Barbzilla. Less Squid Game. Yeah, absolutely. And so that ends the pre-prepared section of our list we now have seven more categories to pick i've already picked one to sort of speed up the process i picked it in real time while we were wrapping up that conversation about the worst tv show um so i'll just beep boop 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 oh wow we picked one amazing uh john mm. let's take a moment to think about the best and worst most impactful internet video slash series of 2023 most impactful um video internet video slash series of 2023 
This might be some recency bias, but I already have my best uh, picked out. Okay, I have my best as well. Uh, so like I said, maybe some recency bias here. It literally came out in the past two weeks. Um, but there is a certain YouTuber who released a a truth bomb of about four hours long or so. Um, his name's H-Bomber Guy. If you don't know him, he's a really cool documentarian sort of bent video essay guy. And he just dropped a, an expose, really, of the problem of plagiarism on YouTube that spans about four hours long. And it goes through sort of why it's a problem, why we should care, and how that specific crime of plagiarism affects the people that are, uh, that are being stolen from. And it does th so through a lens that I wasn't expecting as a heterosexual male on the internet uh, because it, it, it's what it's really about at its core is the erasure of queer scholars and the scholarly work they do um, that is oftentimes neglected or not paid attention to because of the niche that it's in. And when you steal from those people and present it as your own ideas for notoriety, you're doing way more harm than good. And it just has a really great message. It's worth the four hour view time. And I think it's, it's had a lot of impact on YouTube, which I'm guess is the metric that I'm sort of measuring this by because um, people named in it have either gone to ground and like destroyed their channels or they've just disabled comments, but they're getting way less views now because their shitty practices have been brought into the light. And so it, it, it seems very silly to call this the most impactful, but I feel like in the realm of the internet that I find myself most often in, it, this, this one video seems to have done the most impact. So that's my, my candidate for this year's most impactful internet video. Yeah, I think I think that one's really cool. Um, mine is it doesn't have a lot of views yet because it did come out about eight hours ago. Once again, recency bias, you know. Um, I don't know. It feels weird to self promote. I put out this YouTube video. It's about four hours long, <laughs> um, and it's about the subject of plagiarism on YouTube and uh, how it runs rampant and there's like queer people in there and they're, they're like getting erased and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like I call out a bunch of, I call out a bunch of different channels and stuff and they don't like it. And uh, yeah, you know, I consider it pretty impactful ever since it came out, you know, the channels have like really gone to ground. They have like, <laughs> And the posting, like a lot of stuff. This is very funny. Um, so yeah, I think that's the most uh, impactful video. You know, not a lot of views yet. <laughs> but a lot of ads, like a lot, of <laughs> ton ads. of ads, ton of ads. Oh my god! So that's mine. So when or the uh, or the or the TikTok where that little girl says, "Can I pet that dog?" <laughs> We can get to TikToks later. That's one of the things that okay. could be pulled up. 
Okay. Um, so it, it weird in both cases. There's a plagiarism video uh, that that is yeah weird. I should probably like look into that. I guess see if yeah. Maybe, when did like, when, some of that, when like, did you post on. yours? Oh, I mean, I posted it today, but like you know, I've been cooking up in the lab for months. Oh, for months. Okay, and and then you posted it today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, H bomber guys came out two weeks ago, so. Well, I, for, well, okay, yeah, mine's different, okay, his is a source, sure, but I have, like, a sexy little e-girl with a triangle for a head that moves around while I read quotes from his video. Oh, okay. So, fair use and original content. I'm gonna say H bomber. <laughs> I think your joke was was well warranted. I I liked it, but yeah, in the context of the video, uh, H H bomber. I just I don't know. There were a lot of good videos on the internet this year. I think Defunct Land. Uh, I think this was this year. I gotta check before I say this. Um, Defunct Land is uh, they do like story or. Theme park stuff. Theme park stuff, Disney stuff. Okay, it was actually a year ago. I'm just going to say it now. Um, there's about an hour and 30-minute documentary on the Disney Channel uh, kind of jingle that would play during the commercials that, that is actually really well done and is phenomenally. Oh Defunct Land is great. Watch the Handwich one. Watch the... Oh, the Fast Pass uh, one. Super good. The, oh, the Fast Pass one is incredible. It's I phenomenal. think that one came out this year. It was two years ago. Fuck. I know. Well, Defunct Land's great. Yeah. Defunct Land is putting more effort into this YouTube shit than anybody else is, other than H Bomber Guy and ContraPoints and Philosophy Tube. Right. Uh, so now for the worst impactful. Worst, most impactful. What impacted the world in the worst way? Um, is it a cop out to say. The guy that H Palmer guy exposed <laughs> is that because to me, I mean, I don't know. I'm just taking lessons from the video. It seems like that guy, that guy, uh, um, sucks. <laughs> seems like maybe the word whatever that guy name's, put out. Yeah, James Somerton. Does he count? James Somerton. Somerton person who appears to be a pretty pretty bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of sucks overall. Um, I just, I'm just gonna say it. I feel like he's he put out the worst series this year. He put out the worst series. Hold on, let me just go ahead. Uh, worst, so it's worst internet video. Yeah, well, I'm gonna say worst most impactful internet video. Uh, I'm gonna say. Hold on. Which one has a lot of views? I'm going to say the worst one is 75 radicals get shut down while protesting by Ben Shapiro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get shut down while protesting. Uh, you bringing up Ben Shapiro brings up a really funny moment in history. 
Um, I say history. Very funny moment in the cultural zeitgeist of this year. So the Barbie movie. Oh, a Shapiro out. moment? A Shapiro moment. So the Barbie movie came out, of course. And uh, he, I don't, maybe he watched it. I'm not entirely sure if he actually did, but he just came out and said the movie was, was anti-man, even though there's some very like strong pro-men segments of the movie. It's not what the movie is about in any regard whatsoever. But the videos he did about that trended so hard that he wrote it for the next three to four months, way past the lifetime of the cultural cachet of Barbie as a as a film. <laughs> it's just very funny. I mean, you got to ride the outrage. You got to be shameless. I remember, I think Lauren Boebert came out and was like, Barbie was a fun movie, except for all the low T men and forced feminism. But hey, she gave somebody a hand job yeah. at Beetlejuice. So who am I to judge? <laughs> I wonder what Matt Gates had to say about it. Uh, who who cares? You know, the child, the alleged, you know, it's fine. Um, they're all a great party of upstanding people. Does Ben Shapiro or whatever you said take it? Uh, I kind of want Ben Shapiro to go away. And James Somerton's all kind of already going away on his own. This is a really hard one. Because normally... This is what we're leaning on the magic powers. If James Somerton is already going away, then... Wait, no, that's not how this works. The one we pick gets to stay fuck yeah so i feel like the, pl- the i feel like the play is make Jake, james summerton stay in the light where he will then recede oh okay he'll back but down then shapiro has like a huge audience so we can just like annihilate that now right so I, yeah james summerton's the worst ben shapiro's gets destroyed by facts and logic of our ma- mystical magical powers yeah the facts and logic of our magic. Uh, ben Shapiro is in the elevator with us. Huh? And we're like, Ben Shapiro's in the elevator with us. We're Don Draper. Ben Shapiro is the short guy in the elevator with Don Draper. And he's like, mama, mama. And we're like, I don't think about you at all. Mad Men. Mad Men indeed from a simpler time. A show I cannot watch. Why? It makes me want to drink. Yeah, that's the problem. Any, uh, my wife has been watching this Vampire Diaries show, and they're just always drinking brown liquor. And I'm yeah. like, some brown liquor seems pretty good at 5.30 p.m. on a Wednesday. I think a lot of um, writers' rooms watched Mad Men and learned the wrong lesson. They learned it's cool to drink brown liquor, not your character should have flaws. Yes, agreed. I, every time I see someone have a martini in a movie, I'm like, a martini sounds good. It could be 11 a.m. Yeah. And I, I would think a martini sounds scrumptious right now, barkeep. Yeah. Uh, Austin is not a good city to try to curb your drinking in, for sure. We are all functional alcoholics with anxiety yeah. in the city. It, or we're psychos. Anyway, it's time now to draw a new category. Beep boop bop. Category four, five. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to make some beep boop noises? Here we go. Beep boop bop. Beep beep beep. Beep boop. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
Okay, we're back. There we go. There we go. Beep, boop, bop, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep. Oh, beep, boop, no. Bop, I don't like. Okay. John, let's take a moment to ponder the best and worst notable remake or reboot of 2023. The the best and worst notable remake or reboot. Re- what got rebooted? I feel like we're kind of past. We're not reboot. We are not. We're not. Uh, there were there was a number of notable ones for different reasons. There was, I guess, a continuation and the so it happened dot 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 or whatever the fuck the Sex in the City one was called. What was uh-huh. it called? We'll never know. No idea. Uh, there was a Velma reboot this year. Um, what else got rebooted? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I mean, come on. These are not... Those are sequels. What the fuck? Reboot, remake, oh, not Ghostbusters. Somebody remade White Man Can't Jump this year. There was The Little Mermaid, technically a reboot. Uh, Wonka got rebooted. Oh, The Little Mermaid, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, yeah. of course. Ooh, that one might actually... I forgot I saw that. That one's my best. That one's, that one's my best. Okay, let me see if I can find uh, a different one before we just give it to that. Because that one, I could sing its praises. Uh, it was really good, for one. Um, I really like the aging down of the characters. Because in all of my lifetime... All of the Teenage Mutant Turtles I have experienced, they seemed a bit on the older side of the teenage, right? Oh, for sure. They were in their early 20s. Yeah, they were like young adults. And this one really felt like, oh, these are children, which is uh, a side of the, the turtles I've never seen before in my lifetime. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a pretty good job having someone that's like a Gen X cusp in uh seth rogan i think wrote the script uh going on to write a thoroughly like kind of gen z movie yeah it it definitely skewed younger um i don't know it it felt like one of those cool indie coming of age stories but with the budget of course and and like the attention of a full-blown movie um and you know at the end of the day they saved the day and all of those 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 fucking fucking mutants got saved. Oh, hey, listen, what what else can we say about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Males? All those fucking mutants got saved. I, I do I do think, not to give spoilers for the Turtles movie, it is like a pretty hopeful, uh like inclusive movie towards its uh towards its conclusion of course goosebumps get remade on yeah. the show on goosebumps got remade uh, i forgot there was a fraser revival do you remember the fraser revival that happened uh, no or evil dead rise His- of course yeah. history of the world part two came out for some reason okay there was a teen wolf movie, i'm not a, but it's not it was based I'm on not a, a big kelsey grammar guy i like to i like him as beast I don't like him in real life because it turns out he's right wing. Yeah, he's very conservative. Not to uh, fucking like judge people based on their personal beliefs, but what else do I have to be- judge Kelsey Grammer on, right? 
I didn't. I did not care for the Little Mermaid movie as much as I wanted to. It was, I, I mean, it's like it all was, those Disney live action movies where you're like, neat, you know. So I think the best one. I. I mean, I looked now. Teenage Mutant. How do you spell Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles? Mutant Mayhem. You're you're hearing me type in fucking real time. I think that's the best one because honestly, it was a lot of fun. It had a good sort of. It, it it was one of those movies where it's like this isn't really for me, but I can enjoy it. Like I feel like if I was a younger person watching this movie, I would gel with it a lot more. Like I would feel like kind of seen for being like a weird sort of kid who's part turtle. Um. But as an adult watching it, it was just a fucking breath of fresh air because it wasn't for me, you know? Like, it it wasn't catering to me. Oh, yeah. That's the nicest thing about it. I'm like, I'm not actually, like, this isn't my thing. This isn't something that's just supposed to get, like, millennial butts and seats. It feels like it's trying to be a new thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I And honestly, we walked out of it and we were like, that was just fun. And the amount of times I can walk out of a theater and say that was fun, it, it, few and far between. Yeah, it was I not my favorite movie of the year, but still. Yeah, worth mentioning. Quite good. I think my worst remake or reboot of the year, hands down, just from the, the cultural storm that came out of it airing, it, it has to be Velma. I feel like mine is, is Velma as well. Well, and I, I think that's warranted because Velma was a very rare show in that it it united everyone, you know, political beliefs aside for being so bad. Yes. Like, it, it's like if you took something beloved that everyone sort of neutrally experienced, something innocuous like fucking Scooby-Doo and politicized it. And just upset everyone. Like nobody liked it because so, it took something that should please. never have been politicized and politicized it. It's like making wearing a mask a political issue. I mean, here's my argument you can politicize literally anything, you can politicize Barbie. Uh, I, I think that, like, there's no avenue in which you shouldn't be able to use a platform to express a message about like the human condition i don't think that's a, a barrier we should set i will say that like and this is a word that like has been co like totally co-opted by the right but has like a sociological meaning which is virtue signal oh yeah. everyone yeah has heard of it but what virtue signaling really means in the barest sense is that you are i've said this word so many times this podcast but you're like facially signaling that you have virtue without acting in accordance with your virtues it's like a man being in a room full of women and being like yeah the one time i was at that free the nipple conference right like it's it's trying to let people know the virtues that you have and i think that one of two things happened with velma either they leaned really hard into signaling their own particular virtues which they very well might express through direct action 
and just leaned way too hard into it and came off as like totally insincere and whiny or on the flip side it is actually like intended like it's like it's a cynical cash grab being like this is what these liberal kids probably like so let's lean into that in either case uh creatively bankrupt yeah just make your own story yeah make your own story i like i said i'm not a shut up and dribble guy everything can be political yeah. everything can be about anything i'm not yeah i'm but i'm not velma totally like fumbled the bag i'm not saying you shouldn't make that story i think using established characters to tell that story is a little dishonest like it's you're cashing in on the cultural clout that scooby-doo has because you're using these characters but warping them so outside of the actual characters as written by other people is is it, it, that's that's the that's the scam right there agreed if if you bought the rights to like uh what's a show gi joe yeah sure and then you're like the gi joes are just going to say my beliefs that's not necessarily fair right like um yeah if you approach art with having a message in mind your art will suffer and i think velma is endemic of that it it, it is that is the symptom that it suffers from the most because every great author uh, started writing a book being like ah this book will be about poverty <laughs> right yeah I mean, it's like yeah i'm charles dickens wrote uh sit down to wrote great expectations and it was like yes this will be about urban plight yes uh totally agree velma worst whatever this character <laughs> is remake reboot. Notab notable uh, remake or reboot do you want me to like put this in the chat? There's no chat on this, is there? Oh fuck! There is no chat. There's no chat. There I'll is. listen. I've been fine up until All now, right. and I'll continue to be fine. I sat in the room where Charles Dickens wrote most of Great Expectations and A Christmas Carol. What What did you drink there? Uh, I drank an English red ale. Nice. No, I drank an ESB. It was very tasty. English Scottish breakfast. Uh, extra special bitter. Oh. Served almost at room temperature with very limited carbonation. Oh, the British really have good beer. They do. But you know who has better beer? The Germans. They also do. Um, do you want to make some beeping boop noises? Okay, here we go. Let's see if I disconnect this time. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep category. Okay. Should I beep longer? No, no. I actually like this category. Uh, it might be hard to think about. <laughs> Number six. Number six. Let's ponder, John, for a moment. Take a, take a silent moment to think about the best and worst significant achievement in animation, film, slash TV. The best slash... Okay. So the most significant and the least significant? I suppose. Okay. Can we use like umbrella terms, like the entire work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then I have my best. Um, I'm thinking about the movies that came out this year or the TV that came out this year. And, uh, okay, I think I got it. 
Okay, want me to go first? Yeah. My best, most significant moment? Achievement? In animation? <laughs> Achievement in animation? Question mark? Uh, is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Anything in particular? Uh, the chase scene through the like multiverse hub with a hundred different Spider-Men and a million different art styles all colliding together at once. Yeah, that's a pretty strong moment. I'm not saying I really wanted to talk about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and there was no place to do it because it was, obviously it was not the best movie. Um, there were just better movies. And it wasn't the worst movie, so there's no place to really talk about it. Um, yeah. But there is a very specific character in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. T-Rex Spider-Man. His name is Hobie? <laughs> Hobie? I haven't seen the movie in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, Hobie sounds right. Uh, I think it's Hobie. So Punk, Spider-Punk. Yes. Is animated in such a very specific way in that movie. Like, his body is animated on a certain speed. His hair is animated at a different speed. His guitar is animated at even another different speed and only reacts when he's touching it. They broke the rules of animation for this one punk character to such a degree that it shouldn't work, and yet it does. And it... It works. It works perfectly. They tried to make him look like a series of punk show posters. Yeah, um, I want to. I we don't have time for me to really get into this, but you're right. We, we don't have time. We're not. I'm not. Okay, here we are. I found it. It's really fast. These were our rules for Hobie. This comes from an animator by the name of Charlie Gr on on X.com. I don't know his full, Chelsea. No, that's not him. I don't know this person's name. He was an animator on the Spider-Verse. He put this on Twitter. These were our rules for Hobie. Body on threes. Offset the vest. Also on threes, but delayed by a frame or two. Guitar on fours. Outline on twos. Only when he's moving. Should remain static when he's held still. Cut around the, the guitar. So one character being animated in three different times. Love it insanity never done before don't know if will ever be done again that is my significant best significant achievement in animation and it's different from yours so we gotta fight uh no i i think it's okay if they're both spider-man no no no. but mine specifically you know hobie and yours is the chase scene oh yeah it's hobie okay okay well fine well that, hobie's much more interesting. that wasn't fun that wasn't i thought it was gonna be a better fight but okay here, here was going to be my argument for the big hub scene because I haven't seen this movie in a while. T-Rex Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, the little flips. The little flips. I liked, I liked Spider-Cat. I liked original 90s Spider-Man or comic book Spider-Man who, who can only swing in one direction. It's great. I got you now. Ha ha. Like he goes up and <laughs> like, oh no, you went up. My only weakness. It's so good. Worst, most significant moment in animation. Yeah. And I'm going to interpret this to mean least significant. Sure. And you're not going to like my pick. I... 
Okay. I consider the least significant moment in animation <laughs> to be yeah. most of the scenes from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. Because it's just an Illumination movie. It's not breaking new ground. And this is totally separate from the cool Easter eggs about Mario, yeah. which are kind of the only good part of that movie. No, no, no. I don't think it's a visually very arresting movie in almost any way. I 100% agree with you. The, the good parts of the Mario movie have nothing to do with the media that it's in. It, it, it's all nostalgia flavor from being a fan of the series for so many years. It almost isn't and like, it almost isn't a Mario property to me. It's more a product of Illumination Studios than it is of like Nintendo. Yeah, it's just an Illumination movie with Mario characters. And like nothing nothing in the animation is like I I mean it's exceptionally well done. I won't argue that there's like tremendous artistry on display, but it comes from what I consider to be like a pretty creatively stale shop that didn't produce anything that made me go like wow that's new yeah that's that's arresting or interesting to me in some way i like not even one moment in that movie felt that way to me except maybe luigi running from the dry bones and that was such that was cool a, and that yeah. was but it was such a like blink it. and you miss it sort of moment um i agree with that i i think it only pales in comparison to maybe it's the same movie but the song choices for that movie were just uninspired. A training montage set to I Need a Hero or Holding Out for oh, a Hero. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, a scene with, with um, you know, you're in the jungle with Mario Kart or Donkey Kong Karts and it's like, welcome to the jungle. Like just the most uninspired music choices you can think of and they did it. And they did it not ironically, which... I'm saying we need less of, but I guess I would maybe excuse in this case. It's just like you can't when you're picking when you're when you're picking songs for a movie, you can't go with like the first idea that you have. I mean, when they when they made this movie, it's like the key to making great art, especially great comedy, is you have to assume that your audience is geniuses. Right. Like you have to assume that they're smarter than you. And I think when they made this movie, they're like, our audience is two kinds of people. It's people with unformed brains and people who are too busy taking care of the creatures with unformed brains to really pay close attention. Yeah. Parents and children. It, it's like, it, it is only for like the, the far ends of the spectrum, like parents who don't fucking care and kids who aren't there yet. It's one of my biggest problems with the the uh, the notion of Nintendo licensing out their IP for movies is because studios and executives have such a reductive view of their audience. They literally only think about ages and like, you know, the 18 to 49 or under 18 groupings. That Mario movie did not seem like it was made for people who grew up with Mario, which it should be the significant amount of people watching that film. Children today don't mm -hmm. care about Mario. They don't give a shit. They don't, they, they've got other things to pay attention to. They got Bluey. They got 
and and right they have Paw Patrol. They got Paw Patrol, and, I, and I'm saying rightly so. Like that stuff is being made actively for them as they're growing up, just like Mario was made for us while we were growing up. The the target demographic for a Mario movie should consider the 18 to 49 crowd because that's the larger draw. My yeah, my, Super Mario Odyssey is not coming out for children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like. It, there's no acknowledgement there. So, yeah, I'll say I agree with you. That is the least significant achievement in animation was most of the scenes of the Mario movie. That, and it's just like, it felt, I, I had a friend describe the movie as like, it, it was a shame it was written for like the TikTok generation who can't sort of focus on a plot line because it just kind of jumped around from set piece to set piece with little to no cohesion. That's fair. I totally don't agree. I, I think that the I think the generation ahead of us is fine attention span wise. Uh, but that's neither here nor, nor there. there. All right. So that brings an end to the limited scope of our categories. We now go yes. to the larger batch of categories, picking a number one through 97. We are now up to 97 categories. My God. And uh, th- we might need a, a longer series of beeps here, if you don't mind. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go beep, 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 beep. Killers of the Flower Moon, best movie, beep, boop, beep, boop. I mean, we're good. Leonardo DiCaprio. We're, we're good. <laughs> beep, boop. We don't need this okay. anymore. Um, and apropos of nothing, I'm just going to say, I just don't think he has anything to say anymore. Leonardo DiCaprio, he has so much to say, like, my God. Our number seven category for the year of 2023 is best and worst Saturday night. You're gone. Wait. Hello? It said the file will be unaffected, so we're good to go. Oh, my God. That was so fucking scary. There will be extremely limited editing on this episode, so that'll be fun. Okay. Uh, best and worst <laughs> Saturday Night Live sketch of 2023. Best, I have my worst. Uh, so this is fascinating because for half the year there was a writer strike. <laughs> uh, yes. So the field is limited. Very limited field. Um, and I hate to be a fanboy and just not even pick one and just randomly pick any please don't destroy sketch. I mean... Yeah, you're not wrong. Please Don't Destroy is the best part of that show. It's crazy how three Nepo babies have shown up from nowhere to be the best thing of SNL. Yeah, real real extreme Nepo babies, but they're good. They're good. They're good at they're it. Good. It's funny. They're, good. they're funny. They're Honestly, good. I don't care how they got their start. They're funny. I, um... I mean, man, I don't watch a lot of SNL lately. I only watch. I mean, I have my worst. I have my worst, but I think it's any. Please don't destroy. I mean, what is it? Please don't destroy. Yeah. Yeah. The soft men. The soft. The 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 the. Yeah, the soft soft boys. The the three sad virgins or whatever they call themselves. Any one of those is the best. I'm in complete agreement. I've seen a couple of sketches. I think Saturday Night Live is in a really good place right now. Um, I think they they know how to pick their stars or their their hosts. They know how to pick their hosts because they're picking people who really commit to the bit, 
uh, Emma Stone, of course. Um, she's been on the podcast before. Uh-huh, of course. I found, I tracked down what that sound clip was from, by the way, and it's from Saturday Night Live. What sound clip? Uh, you'll remember on our 300th episode, uh, we had a soundboard, and I had a sound clip of Emma, Emma Stone. You, do you remember? I don't. Uh, I think you remarked of this sound clip, and I quote, I don't think that's her. I don't think that's anyone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds very reasonable. Uh, and to do a very bad impression of it, it was Emma Stone going, <clears throat> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that does sound pretty familiar to me now. And I still don't believe it's anyone. It's Emma Stone from a Saturday Night Live sketch where she plays a poster of like a bimbo influencer who comes to life mm. to give advice to a, a teenager. And all of her lines start with her going, hell yeah. And she reprised that role literally like two weeks ago it's real incredible it's insanely incredible. real she's been on the podcast john i get that bingo square okay i'll 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 bring it up to her the next time she's on the, the on the cast okay so please don't destroy um any sketch is the best sketch i agree with you what's your worst sketch uh i'm just pete you don't like i'm just okay i'm just pete is your worst i, I, I want you to get into here's this. i get i i'm getting into it remember my criticism of barbie being that yeah mostly people just seem to remember the ken stuff first of all and i say this with a lot of respect i don't care for pete davidson because that's fine i think that like an essential component of being a good sketch comedian is like taking things seriously and not breaking at every single thing and actually being able to like act and sell jokes. I think that stuff's pretty important. Um, so not a big Pete Davidson guy. I know this is really tanking the chances of him being on the pod. Uh, don't care for him in that way. I mean, I get he's hot. He's very hot. Uh, but I feel like for the like some cultural influence of Barbie to have on SNL is just to reprise the Ken song in a way that like self-deprecatingly talks about the proclivities and love life and personality of a man who's not even that good at being on SNL. That's like there's no there's no world where that's just okay it's just there isn't okay and it's a shitty sketch yeah it's just a song parody it's just about him and has nothing to do with the work he's parodying it's, it's not about the world it's, it's not about anything about you couldn't you could not in the golden age of snl have a song parody where bill murray just talks about being bill murray yeah you couldn't you couldn't Now say your thing that's going to lose to mine. Uh, I don't know the title of this sketch or the content or even the star players. 
Um, but at 11 p.m., <clears throat> let me take that again. At 11 p.m. on December 9th, 2023, a user on x.com tweeted out, this SNL sketch is one of the worst I've ever seen. So whatever that one is, I guess. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you didn't even click on the link? Uh, no, he didn't post a link. He didn't quote anything. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Apropos of nothing, he just said at 11 p.m. on December 9th, 2023, live tweet style. This SNL sketch is one of the worst I've ever seen. So I don't know who's in it. Who was the? I could look up. I mean, that looks like it was host Adam Driver. Olivia Rodrigo was the musical guest. No, not Adam, not celebrity bad boy Adam Driver. Um, And it would have, he said that 11 p.m., so that would be right when it started, I believe. Oh, no. So the cold open. Probably the cold open. I can actually representative Elise Stefanik, Chloe Trost questions Dr. Claudine Gay, Egon Wadham, Liz McGill, um, president of online air. That sounds like a stinker. It could have also been where trying post the open. Yeah. Uh, two gay men, Bo and Yang, Adam Driver. I don't like Bo and Yang. Uh, try to get pregnant also features Heidi Gardner, Michael Longfellow, yeah. Andrew Dismukes, Andrew Dismukes, Pride of Austin, and Sarah Sherman, Sarah Squirm, my fave. Yeah. Can't have been that one. Too many faves. It must have been the cold open. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been the cold open. Yeah, that one wins. <laughs> yeah, no, that one wins. That one beats mine. What? Yeah, that one wins. <laughs> Must have, it must have been pretty bad to make that person tweet that. I don't. I don't agree with you. <laughs> yeah, that one wins. I'm sorry. Must it must have been pretty bad. <laughs> Sounds pretty bad. I don't know what it was or who it was or when it happened. It's literally on our list as whichever sketch that one Twitter user was talking about. It can't that's win. The worst one. It's the worst one. I'm sorry. Right, I'm gonna say that just Pete wins. So defend that now. Okay. Defend mine? Yeah. It must have been pretty... Wait, defend yours. must have been pretty bad. Make him tweet that. I'm just saying. I think uh, to keep it thematic, I'm just Pete doesn't talk about any of the things we were talking about in the Barbie movie. And it, it, it actually highlights your defense against Barbie being the number one film and that people took the wrong thing out of it and propagated that outward into the world and i think i'm just pete is sort of like a perfect embodying of that so it's the worst one yeah it would be really so perfect if it was but it's the twitter one no, it's um, not. really when i was making that case against barbie which i knew was going to win uh or at least tie in my mind, like I was visualizing the, the I'm just Pete sketch yeah. as I was making that point. Yeah. It really irked me. It really and does. continues to irk me. And it, rightfully so, because it, it does embody a misread of that entire movie. And uh, so I'm just Pete, worst yeah. SNL sketch of 2023. Yep. We're moving on to our next category. We're going to get through these last three pretty quickly because we're running out of tape we're running out of tape we have blown our tape budget for 2023 mm -hmm. 
I'm also out of beer, so this is not as fun anymore. <laughs> I drank I drank my gin and tonic an hour and a half ago. Jesus Christ. Make me some beeping noises. Here we go. Beep 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 beep. Oh no, it's numbers. Nice, 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 the sexy. Uh this one might be a bit of a dated reference, my friend. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but we still gotta do it. Let's uh let's judge and take a moment to consider the best and worst mask seen on the internet. The best and worst mask, mask seen on the internet. Yep. Mask. Not my ass googling worst mask 2023. Uh, I, I wrote best mask of 2023 and uh, I'm just getting facial products. I put in worst mask and it's a lot of right wing propaganda about face masks. Uh, you know what? I'm going to I have my best. I'm going to have my best in a moment. Wait, hold on. What is the actual name of the category? Best mask seen on the internet? Seen on the internet. Yeah. Okay. All right, I've got mine. Okay, I've got my best. Got mine. My best. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go I'll first? I'll go first. Um, this mask I've now seen on the internet as of... Two minutes ago, two seconds ago. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, honestly, it really, I think, encapsulates so much of what's going on in 2023, especially in the latter half of the year. Current events. My pick for best mask seen on the internet 2023 is Ruby's Godzilla Adult Overhead Latex Mask. Available <laughs> from Target.com for $62.26. They are out of stock, but you can be notified when it's back. Okay, well, you've got to send me a link. I'll send you a link. And this is best, right? Yeah, this is best. Don't, don't think I'm not going to send you a link. Don't think for a moment this link and you gotta send it in discord clearly yeah, don't think for a moment this link is not oh it's pretty, pretty good. good pretty <laughs> good oh wow it's really good actually it's huge actually really big kind of in comparison for an adult actually <laughs> if that is not if that alone with no other embellishments is not the uh episode art <laughs> i will be so upset i typically don't do episode art for best worst but i might make an exception uh my best mask seen on the internet assuming a streaming service is the internet is of course mask girl netflix's mask girl It's a South Korean streaming television series directed by Kim Yong-hoon. It's okay. <laughs> what? It's a, I didn't watch the last two episodes. My wife watched them without oh, me. Okay. 
So that is my <laughs> best mask. You didn't seem to have much of a, a defense there. That is my best. It's pretty okay. And, you know, it's about how we become different people. Like we can't be ourselves. I don't know. I didn't watch the last two episodes. I think she goes to prison. <laughs> This does my wife said it was pretty good. Anyway, coming in, my best mask, 2023 mask girl, run, don't walk to see mask girl on Netflix. On hold on, Netflix. Okay. What who wins? Godzilla mask. Okay, Ruby's a Godzilla adult overhead latex mask. Available on at Target for $62.26. Um, but they are out of stock currently, but you can be notified when they are back. Takes the cake for the best mask seen on the internet for 2023. Now it comes down to the worst mask. Ah, uh, yes, the worst mask indeed. Go to my Google search and replace one word with another <laughs> word. Of course, of course, the yes. Worst mask. Um, I, this is from a, this is the wrong year, so that can't work. What the fuck? I mean, you gotta find 2023. Um, this is homophobic. <laughs> oh boy, sounds like the worst mask to me. I kind I don't I don't know I don't know if I like. Do you get one? I I don't have one yet. Yeah. I don't know. It's a. I don't want to say these words. Believe me, I'm seeing a lot of bad masks. I've I've put certain things in my searches that this is a bad mask. Yeah. Uh, how about that? How about that goddamn mask that George Santos wore, <laughs> for, pretending for to be all those things that he wasn't until he was expelled? I mean, honestly, it's a it's a pretty bad mask because people could see right through it. For one, it wasn't any secret that George Santos's mask that he wore. Um, like wasn't real like we all knew it was fake all of the things he said yeah so that, that's a pretty bad one um it's still pretty bad you know it's a it's a pretty bad mask and people are like you know continuing to give him like money for cameos oh, and that's not good that's not good like he's doing cameos for like four hundred dollars a pop yeah I don't know. I found one called the worst robot reaper mask. <laughs> oh, the worst robot reaper mask? That's how it's billed for $24.99 from trickortreatstudios.com. I will note that uh, shipping has closed for the year, so you cannot currently get this mask. Um, but this is the worst. There are good guys, there are bad guys, and then they are, quote, the worst. <laughs> It's pretty good. 
I um <laughs> oof, oof. oh no I just found something really oh no. oh no people at home do not just start googling <laughs> okay maybe this is maybe this is my thing I googled worst mask 2023 and that didn't return anything promising so I put in worst mask 2023 sex oh. and man do not do Are that. Are you on images? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. I'm on images in an incognito tab, and there's... This is, I'm just raw-dogging it. It's not... It's not good. The things people can attach to masks these days. I like uh, yours. The George Santos mask that he wore until he was expelled from Congress. Um, because it wasn't a good one. Like, no, everyone knew that he was fake. If uh, anyone out there has not seen the Z-Way interview with George Santos, it's great. Um, I think he once claimed to have given birth to Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that was one of them. I still get a kick out of the Jewish thing. Yeah, he said he was uh, Jewish, not Jewish. It's uh man, I once again George Santos, very funny guy, undeniably evil and pretty scary. Uh, cr- crazy that this is the state of our our dumb country that you can just lie and be cool and fine until apparently then they have too much. I don't know what the breaking point was. You can just lie, and then everyone's like, what a cool liar. And then eventually they're like, well, we have to expel you because you're a a liar. Whatever. Uh, I'm glad mine wins. I'm really sorry that I had to see all those masks. Who's the real real winner? I was looking at those. I'm like, what are the pipes for? Yeah. There's like pipes and pumps. Don't, Don't think about it too hard, I think. I won't yuck anyone's yum. I I don't know. There's just a certain point of like baroqueness where I just get confused. Yeah. Well, it's no longer our world, John. It, it's the world in which you need to go beep boop 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 beep. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Sorry, I found an article about Slipknot's new masks yeah, ranks from, from worst yeah, to best. It's, it's from go. last year, so we can't use it. I found. You saw that I too. I saw so many copies of that article, and I thought, "Oh, this is a good beeline. This could lead to humor." From 2022, it's the wrong year. Such a shame. Okay, here we go. Beep 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 beep. Oh shit. Beep 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 beep. Oh no. I do this one every year. Beep beep Coming in at number nine. Second to last, number nine, the penultimate category. Let's reflect. Let's look inside of ourselves. Let's get really meta here, John. Let's see if Mm. we can do the one thing we can never do on this show. And think about the best and worst joke from this show of 2023. Oh, fuck. I can't remember a single thing we've done or said. It's the hardest thing to do in podcasting is to remember what you yourself have done on the show. It's, it's, I'm now on zerocredits.net scrolling through episodes we did this year. 
Oh, wait. I think I have a really good one. I hope this happened this year. When did Avatar 2 come um, out? This year. Then it must be from this year. Uh, I don't know if mine qualifies we, as a joke. Did we report on this? I could just search. Guys, you can just search. Because we tag all of our episodes. You can just search. It's from last year. No. No. Okay, wait. I, I do know what mine is. I do know what mine all is. Right. Damn it. <laughs> mine is going to be so good. It's not, it's not really a joke, yeah. but I know what mine is. And you can't pick mine. I won't. I'll find my own. Okay. Let me know when you've got it. Uh, and yours can't be episode 312. What's on episode 312? I start, Don't look I'm at it. I'm starting in January. Go, you, go ahead. Say what you're doing. Do you want me to say my... Okay, my best joke. I don't even know if it counts as a joke. There was this like incredible like conflation of events during the Diplo Burning Man saga. Oh, no. Where we recorded an extremely <laughs> punchy episode of the podcast where I had been spending a lot of time across a lot of different like comedy pursuits and i was very punchy and i was very tired <laughs> and one of us said a, one of us said there was a marvel diplo property called sep lip diplation yep. and we both lost we, it on air for like five i minutes. think we riffed the entire arc of that show where more and more people were secretly Diplo. <laughs> yeah, that seems about right. So mine, my best is, of course, Sep, Sep Lip Diplasia. <laughs> That's really good. I really like that one. It's a really sp succinct, specific moment. Um, mine, I'm going to do something different. And mm. I'm going to plug our dumb website. And really, Twitter feed. Uh, I don't know if this is widely known, but I, for every episode that we put out, I do very specific episode art for, uh, that's only seen on the website and it's only seen like on our social media feeds. And for the entire month of August, I did variations on the same theme of it was 100 and plus degrees. And I don't know if you remember... <laughs> The episode that we recorded on August 1st, John? Oh, it's August 1st? Yeah, <laughs> where I said I had prepared for the episode, and the only things I had prepared were the date and the temperature. <laughs> uh-huh, I remember this. Yeah, um, and then I just ran with that for the entire month of circling the date on a calendar for the art while everything was on fire. Until it reached my birthday, because we recorded on my birthday, culminating in the episode uh, Box Office Birthday Boy, uh, the title that you hate so much. Uh -huh, so course. mine is the entire month of August is... Was, I think Seplip Diplasia was right after the August thing. It was in September for sure, because it was Burning Man. Yeah. September lip diplasion ember. Uh, I I liked the August thing. 
I mean, I think this is just saying that there was a great era of zero credits where it was so fucking hot and we were so <laughs> fucking tired um, uh, yeah. that we really just let our creative juices flow. We were tired for the entire year. Um, we both fought off various illnesses, mentally and otherwise. And uh, yeah, so yeah, septoplasia was the with the week after. <laughs> <laughs> the box office birthday boy. It's just this one era of zero credits was really good. It's a it's a really good era. You know, it's like when a second season is, it's our bear season. It's our too. bear season too. Um I considering it's a run and I greatly enjoyed it, I'm okay giving it to the to the hot August. I really run. want to give it a sepulpation. <laughs> really? I can't remember for the benefit of septoplasia, I can't remember the last time I laughed that yeah. hard on this podcast. I don't know what it was. It wasn't even it funny. Wasn't. It wasn't even that funny. I think funny. we were just delirious in the fact that we it was just more increasingly more people just turned out to be Diplo was yeah. funny, I think. Um, Are we okay giving it to septoplasia? wins uh check out the episode art for that one because i literally recreated the poster from marvel with did a great job with the font thank you it that took a long time i will also say runner up for best joke is when you told me we'd be doing bingo and you let me fill out my own squares and I made one of the squares. John says, stay loose, puppies. <laughs> and I said that at the opening of the episode. That was a pretty good John joke, if I do say so myself. Uh, this is hard to do, though, because now we have to pivot to worst the joke? worst joke from the show that we did. And Oh, I definitely I think maybe one. the worst joke was that I inexplicably said we were going to do... 2013 bingo and i let you fill out your own squares and you pulled a fast one and said that mm. one of your squares was going to be that john says a, a certain phrase and then like the first episode we covered the bingo thing you said the phrase and crossed it off i think that was maybe the worst joke yeah i could see that being the worst um i'm gonna say and it's tough because my worst joke is things that fall under the banner of me threatening violence <laughs> against public figures. How many times have we had to censor the podcast this year? Usually remembering to edit. I've gotten very brazen, like especially if it's a week where I know I'm editing. I've gotten very brazen with saying things. And I think the only one I feel really bad about was recently, and I don't like this person to be clear, do not care for this person. They're worse people. But I did say that I had hired, uh, and I quote, low level perpetrators to firebomb another podcaster's house. Yeah, That is clearly not true. I don't care for this person to be clear. I'm not above it, uh, but I do feel bad for saying that because listening to it back i'm like wow that was not cool really uncalled for not cool but it would get him on the podcast because he'd be like hey why'd you firebomb my house my wife Kristen bell was in there <laughs> just that's enough identifying information 
No, I think it, I think it's gonna take some real internet sleuthing to put that one together. That one's especially weird because like you you picked him out of the ether, and John, I don't know if you know this about that uh-huh. guy. We have the same last name. Mm, I wonder what would turn me against such a person. Just something in a name, I suppose. All right, so. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough between what you said and then all those times I said I was going to hurt people. Um, I, th- I think I want those the you hurting people to go away. So I think your bingo joke should win the worst joke of the year. Oh, for sure. I want bingo joke to last forever and infinite. Right, and then all of the threats of violence you've done against various people just disappear, and we never have to face repercussions. Various people, governing bodies, Congress. Uh, I've made a lot of those jokes in my time. (laughs) You know, who among us, you know, cast the first stone, etc. I am perfectly okay with my stay loose sloppies joke staying in perpetuity. Cool. It is almost 10 o'clock. We have been podcasting for nearly three hours now. Yes, we have to get through one more and oh. also the yep. the part at the end, which we might just rush through. No, no, no. We'll take our time. But yes, sadly, our time is coming to a close for this is the very last category of the night, meaning there's only one more opportunity to hear John make hilarious noises with his mouth. Here we go. Babe. Bear. Bo, be, be, This is a sneak preview to Dune Part Two soundtrack. Ludwig Goranson, not the composer for Dune Part Two. <laughs> Why did you name him? <laughs> Definitely, certainly not the composer do you, for Dune Part We two. did this category last year, and there has been a new... Hans Zimmer composer for Dune Part 2. Of course not. I'm, tr- I'm, try- I'm, try- I'm trying to preference something. Um, I'm, try- I'm trying to judge whether or not I need to pick a new category, because we did it last year, and there has been a new game. But are you aware of it? How do you feel about Mortal Kombat Fighters? Oh, different different category. That was torturous right. last time. Just because I don't play a lot of Mortal Kombat, though it is a fun question. Right. Oh nope, that's a repeat. Uh, I was like, I don't know, Liu Kang. Mm, I don't. Uh, this make a actually. If it is best Mortal Kombat fighters, the answer is Omni Man. He's. I don't know if he's out yet. He's not. There's a bunch of videos out there of him being sick as hell. Oh, maybe he is out. I'm thinking the Homelander's not out. He's coming. But yeah, Omni-Man, hell yeah. He's coming. What the fuck? Come on, pick a good one. Okay, here we go. They're all good, Henry. Uh... (laughs) They're all good. And the last category of the night. The, The what you've been waiting for. Every moment of the year has been leading up to this. John, this is it. Are you ready? Can you ponder for a moment the best and worst 70s 
sandwich of 2023. Oh, this is tough. Have we ever gotten sandwich no. before? No, we have not. We have not. Oh my god, I have a lot of opinions. We have not ever talked about best sandwiches of 2023 or worst. And this is this is a controversial thing. Cause like, is this personal sandwiches or is this sandwiches out in the world? Is this like a Burger King sandwich? Is this, am I just going to talk about Chipotle mayo for 20 minutes? I'm, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I, 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 okay. forgot, I don't know if I told the pot. I'm recovering from COVID. Like, this is torture. Uh-huh. So, uh, my question is, does it have to be a specific sandwich we've enjoyed? Because then, of course, it is the Cluck Ranch extra vegan steak mm. on Dutch Crunch with voodoo chips from Ike's. Right. Um, I think if it, it can include sandwiches that you have personally ingested, but we do want to try to like capture a cultural moment. So I think there is one sandwich above all that stands the test of time and is the sandwich of the moment of 2023 there there is such yes i'm trying to find a good source for it i was just going to talk about chipotle mayo for like 20 minutes it's really good i think i started that this year it became a hyper fixation it was every lunch it was a turkey and cheese sandwich with chipotle mayo i i i fully dove into my neurodivergent tendencies and just ate that for like basically half a year. But I don't know if that really extends beyond my own personal experience. Chipotle mayo is great. Get a, um, get a thing of chipotle peppers and adobo sauce, some mayo, mix that up yourself. Do some gochujang mayo, do some sriracha mayo. Hell do some Frank's red hot mayo. Uh, I have found it and I'm going to send you the best sandwich of 2023. Okay. Been making hoagies for 34 years. I enjoy every time the meat smacks on the bread. I get a tingle down my spine. My old wife, Ethel, used to enjoy them. Now she's with another. But I can say he can't make hoagies like me. Hoagie Gurus, <laughs> Barnabas Milton. <laughs> yes, Barnabas Milton posting on the Hoagie Gurus Facebook group with a picture of a truly mouthwatering looking hoagie and one of the best to ever do it. Clearly loves his craft. <laughs> I think I'm broken. You you didn't know about Barnabas Milton? I didn't know about Barnabas Milton. I think about this post about once a week. Barnabas Milton. Okay. Oh my gosh.
My old wife Ethel used to enjoy them. Now she's with another, but I can say he can't make hoagies like me. She used to love them. She really. She used to love them. Now she's with another. She's with another. I thought it was going to be like now she passed on, but no. <laughs> it's a. It's an amazing. It's like a for sale baby shoes never worn. Like it really tells, it tells a whole story. The whole story. We get, we really get to know them. Yeah, no, this, okay, I verified with my fact checkers, which is Google, and uh, yeah, that is indeed from this year, very good find. Um, I don't have a best sandwich. I think you win. I mean, I that wins. Listen, that wins. it's, it could have been Cluck Ranch double vegan steak. With vegan cheese on Dutch crunch. Oh, my mouth is watering. Like one of Pavlov's daggum dogs. <laughs> I mean, I can't have one anyway. Uh, but man, God. Ike's is so fucking good. Ike's is very good. If you if you are in the vicinity of an Ike's and you've never tried one, get the Dutch crunch bread for one and just pick a sandwich and go. They're very good. Very good sandwiches. I've never had a bad one from there. And I, I, as I come to understand it, they're like a national chain now. So go out, support your local Ike's love and sandwiches. Yeah, support your local Ike's. Get the voodoo chips, or if they have it, the evil eye or the voodoo heat. Ooh. Uh, high, highly recommended. And don't eat the uh, gum lollipop because it actually kind of ruins the whole meal and is kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, but... Best Sandwich 2023, Barnabas Milton's Post to Hoagie Gurus. I'm so glad I was able to find that because yeah. I think about it all the time. I'm glad you've shared this with me, and now everybody else knows about it as well. Damn, I want a hoagie now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Henry. We need to find a worse sandwich. The worst sandwich of 2023. A worst sandwich? Yeah, the worst sandwich of 2023. Oh, got it. I can't believe I'm so prepared for this category. I, I fucking got it. Okay, what do you got? So there is a local Austin diner chain called Kirby Lane <laughs> that started on Kirby Lane. I can't believe oh, I have a worse sandwich. In no other God. year would I have a worse sandwich. They had an incredible vegan slash vegetarian sandwich called the pulled plant barbecue sandwich. It was like uh, fake meat, soy curls, though eventually they turned to kind of like a sloppy Joe thing, a warning that bad things were coming. But it was on like supple, okay ciabatta bread. I'll, I'll say it. Kirby Lane Cafe is okay. Uh, but it was like a sole point of respite for a traveling vegetarian that you could go to any of the Kirby Lane cafes in town and get a sandwich that was on pretty decent bread, high protein, served with decent fries, tasted quite good. You could get like a like a beer or a little cocktail or some trip coffee. It made Kirby Lane Cafe a safe space to be a vegan who didn't want to eat an entire vegan breakfast platter, which is way too much food. And then late this year, 
my wife and I went to Kirby Lane Cafe fully expecting to order those delicious sandwiches. And it had been replaced by a wet broccoli <laughs> broccolini sandwich. The, the contents of it had been replaced with sautéed, garlicky, limp, baby broccoli between two slabs of ciabatta. Even the picture made me sick. And I was like looking at my wife and genuinely she appeared to be on the verge of tears because that sandwich had been on their menu since at least 2017 and had been like a staple it was our rock and they replaced it with a wet broccoli sandwich the times they are a changing yes a sandwich for 13.49 at a kirby lane cafe that features roasted broccolini cashew cheese toasted cashews. a 14 dollar broccoli sandwich red pepper onions and greens served on toasted ciabatta bread um, this is the type of offering that I think of when people don't have actual vegetarian or vegan options. They cooked up some broccoli and put it between bread and call it a sandwich. It's a bunch of shit thrown together. Here's the thing. We had bought a house this year. We'll get into that later. And like... I love Austin. I love the people here. And there's so much to do. And I don't know that I'll ever move. But I'm not kidding you. When I saw that broccoli sandwich for $14, it planted a seed in my mind where I'm like, maybe we could move. <laughs> maybe nothing here is good anymore. To give you some perspective, there is a veggie burger at Kirby Lane Cafe. It's dog shit. Well, I'm just going to list the, the, the ingredients and the makeup to make my point. Um, Dr. Prager's veggie burger with lettuce, tomato, onion, avocado, and topped with credos, cashew, queso, served on a broshi bun. That is the same price as the roasted broccolini cashew cheese sandwich. Absolutely. Every sandwich in the city is $15. And that Dr. Prager's patty isn't good, but it's not cheap. Yeah. Like... Get the veggie burger rather than the roasted broccoli. It's it's literally a fucking broccoli sandwich. I don't know what else it is. <laughs> it's to almost say. as though Kirby Lane has declared war on vegetarians. It's horrible. I'm I'm so mad about it. they still have that vegan breakfast platter, which once again way too much food and they replaced the good sausage with bad sausage. But yeah. it's it's the sandwich for me, man. Like the, the sandwich was like the sandwich was grim. It was a grim day. It was a dark day in the, in the, in the annals of, of humankind history. Um, but for my contender in this, this, is, this esteemed category, I bring to you a tweet by a person whose handle I will not read because they are anonymous, um, who tweeted out on November 22nd of this year at 1.44 p.m., I just made, and it just says this is the worst sandwich. I I've just made had. the worst sandwich in the world. Jesus Christ! Heart, smiley face, and I can you know, there's no verified sources here, um, but this person did follow up with a a second tweet, making this a thread that says, 
in the whole wide world. And I think that says everything I need to say about this. I, I listen, I respect the hustle. <laughs> and I, I never go, I want to be 100%, 100% myself in this interaction. I didn't know I'd be talking about this today. And there is no universe where broccolini sandwich doesn't win more <laughs> sandwich. I'll kill you. <laughs> I just want to make it clear how invested I am in broccoli Wait. sandwich. I don't care what you're I'll kill you. Well, he said you couldn't you could no longer threaten the firebomb people on the podcast. I'm not threatening. <laughs> I'm saying I will do it if broccolini sandwich does not make worse sand. I'll kill All right, you. Uh, dear dear fans, um, and in consideration of my own personal safety, <clears throat> I think you'll understand. I'll have to say the Scurvy Lane broccolini sandwich, worst sandwich of 2023. Good. Uh, that's the only way yeah. it was ever going to shake apologies out. to that one person who tweeted out that they had made the worst sandwich in the world the whole wide world um but the good news is we have now stricken that that sandwich from history so hopefully and you can't say whether or not that person was talking about the Kirby Lane sandwich or not that might be the head chef at Kirby Lane Cafe well, I did, well, yeah I don't know I they could easily be the same the very same sandwich. Um wow. Just just wow. So now it is our 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 our, our duty and our honor to tabulate whether or not this year was a good one or a bad one. Um, so I'm doing some tabulations. It looks like mm -hmm. right now I'm in the lead. I mean, uh, it, it could be a good year. Uh -huh. I'm just tabulate. Okay. Okay. You got that one. Okay. We both have... There was a lot of ties this year, actually. <laughs> Yeah, well, there were two. Well, things we agreed on plus ties. Right. I think that it's a, it's a red letter year for this. I also want to make sure that I'm being a good steward of the podcast and taking the temperature down a little bit. I do apologize for factually saying that I would kill you. Uh, it's not going to happen again on this episode. On this episode. Just want to let everybody know. Just want to let everybody know that that kind of talk is not going to be tolerated for the rest of the episode. for the rest of this episode. Uh, well, we really agreed on quite a lot this year. No, oh, no, that one went to you. Um, that one went to me. I should have been doing this while we were doing that. Oh, no, that one went to you too. Okay, that one went to me. Oh, that one went to you. Oh, damn. Okay, so I think it was a bad year. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was a bad year because you lost. Is that how we? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I'm going to say it was a good year. We'll never agree. Um, No. So I think personally this year was pretty all right. Um, 
But then a lot of weird shit has been happening on like the global stage. If we just look at what we kind of glommed onto, we looked, we kind of glommed onto like hopeful outlooks and Barbie and Godzilla minus one being hopeful for the future. We, we looked down on trying to cash grab on nostalgia and trying to cash in on the past. We, we were celebrating innovation and the time on her genre. And again, kind of naysaying quick kind of nostalgic cast grabs. Um, we're more celebrating the continuation of something good rather than the ending of something that, that has happened. And again, naysaying cash grabs that are relying on misremembering messages we're, we're celebrating kind of calling out people who are lazy and, and pull, you know, stealing the work of others. We're celebrating the youthful energy of mutant turtles and movies not made for us. And we're, we're calling out and they saying again, nostalgic cash grabs that, that mm-hmm. serve no purpose or larger message. We're celebrating doing things differently and honoring how Hobie was animated in three different ways and we're naysaying cash grabs that rely on nostalgia uh-huh, yes, in the uh-huh, Mario uh-huh. movie. We're, we're celebrating the freshness of the absurdity of Please Don't Destroy. And we're naysaying the blatant misunderstanding of the best movie of the year or tied for such for the sake of, of, of internet or, or funny, funny, jokey times. We are celebrating ruby's godzilla adult overhead latex mask and we're naysaying george santos's mask that he wore until he was kicked out we're lifting up funny jokes that make no sense featuring diplo and marvel's secret invasion a show that neither of us watched and we're getting rid of lazy cash grabs that john might have made (laughs) at the beginning of the year, but most importantly, I think we are celebrating Barnabas Milton's hoagie. And we are crushing Kirby Lane's broccolini sandwich into the dust. I think the theme of 2023 is one of hope, of looking forward, of celebrating the things that are continuing to be good and putting our foot down when something is blatantly dishonest or unsincere for the sake of making a buck or cashing in on nostalgia. I think this is the year we're drawing the line in the sand and saying we will not allow you to monopolize or capitalize on what has come before if you're not going to put in the effort to at least make sure it serves the story and is good. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, you get thoughts to add. Um, I think that I have maybe over. So I'm in a tough spot. Obviously, last year had to be a good year. It was the year I got married. Right. right? Yeah, it was. Uh, ooh, 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 I'm in trouble with the old ball and chase. Uh, the old battle axe. But it had to be. And this year, we bought a house. Not a zoo, but a house. Uh, but I think for this year, I actually have to take a step outside of myself 
and actually look at what happened this year. And if I'm being honest with myself, the number of times we had a conversation before a podcast recording saying, we just aren't qualified to talk about a really terrible thing that is happening. And then we spent the podcast talking about everything but that. I think you're right in that everything that we've deemed positive is hopeful for the future. But I think maybe the first time since coming out of COVID, I might call 2023 a bad year. (laughs) I think I'm trying to paint. I think I think the end note that I'm trying to paint is one of looking forward. And if I'm looking yeah. forward, I'm I'm hesitant to look at where I am because it's bad. I, I'm looking for positivity and I'm not finding it. And so I'm hoping the future is positive, which means I need that positivity, which can only mean the present is not a good place, right? I it's strange because so and this is a thing once again we can't talk about too much because we're not qualified but there have been certain like military actions in other parts of the world that have resulted in innocent people getting killed that have received like limited like almost no pushback from the american people and now we're saying things like ceasefire it's on the mouths of people like dick durbin like I think that direct action is helping, and I think that we are trending in a more positive place. So looking forward, I have hope, but I think on its face, the things that happened in 2023 in aggregate weren't good. Yeah, Um, it's been a really odd year, because... At least in this past couple of months, a lot of bad things have happened to me personally that I haven't really talked about. I had my identity stolen. Mm, um, by Melissa McCarthy in the identity. Yeah, thief. and I've just been fighting that, and it, it's been hell. And, like, we've had our car lose a transmission. It's been pretty bad. Dark days at the at the end of this year. I got COVID again for the second time, and, uh, and it's it's I'm... Re- eternally recovering from it for the rest of my life. Uh, and that's just on the personal level. And then beyond the personal level, the a war continues that started out last year. When did the Russian-Ukraine conflict start? Uh, great question. Late last year? So that's still happening. And then a new, more controversial war is breaking out because for reasons we can't really get into but it's it's just like oh things are actively sort of getting worse instead of better and you know global temperatures shattered all records hottest year yeah, hottest year on record it, it, it is stuff. i think it is a note of this was a bad year and maybe that's why so much of the messaging that we used to determine if this year was good or bad was like, oh, yeah, but it's going to get better. Like, we're looking for that that positivity, that optim- the optimistic outcome. Like, we don't have it now, 
but it it could could be better. Maybe that's why this year was such a good year for video games, but not a great year for the people who make video games. I mean, yeah, fourteen hundred people were laid off just today by Hasbro. A lot of them in Wizards of the Coast. The people who make the things we love are being punished for making them in the worst way. Uh, it's a bad year. I think. I mean, we're we're living through like almost unprecedented inflation in the form of naked corporate greed. Like it's, yeah. I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't want to come out the other side of this and saying it's say it's a bad year from like a skeptical standpoint. More like it's a bad year as a note. You know, like it's a it's a bad year. Act accordingly. Yeah, <laughs> be aware. Be advised, all units in the area, it is a bad year. So let's try to... Yeah, be, be aware, it's a bad year. If there's a thing you don't like, maybe try to do something. To yeah, change it. Let's, let's try to move forward with the knowledge that this year was a bad one. We're going to make the best of what we can next year. And look at all this hopeful media that we have to maybe hold on to to help us and inspire us to do so. But not, crucially, not Hope Punk. It's not a real What's thing. Hope Punk? Ah, uh, read about it. It's very annoying. Okay. Avoid whatever that is. Read up on it. Google it, if you will. And in the meantime, thank you for sticking with us all throughout 2023. For weathering all the storms and all the topics we could not talk about. Because we are not really the best authority on a lot of subjects, it turns out. And not in a joking way. It's like, it's almost like we have zero credits. But, like, we aren't equipped to talk about a lot of this stuff. We're two dumb comedians trying to make our way <laughs> or trying to determine where humanity is headed. And, it, uh, I mean, at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't seem too good. But maybe... Hey, we're not qualified to talk about most of the things we do talk yeah. about. So imagine the things we don't talk imagine. about. Imagine. But from everyone here, this is jumping the gun. I just want to wish everybody a happy holidays and a happy new year. Let's make it a good one next year by any means possible. Even if that includes John firebombing a couple of key targets. Allegedly. Hey, if it if it makes you feel any better and makes me less culpable, I wouldn't be the one doing the firebombing. There'd be a series of project managers between me and the perpetrators of the firebombing because bureaucracy matters. Fascinating. Uh, but I think the only thing left to do for the year... Uh, we're off next week, so please just break up this episode into two weeks. Uh, please do that. Like, just get halfway through the episode and then listen to the other half next week. Um, uh, but the only thing to do is for John to throw it to me to tell you how to contact us. Henry, engage. Thank you, John. I would be happy to. <laughs> I would be happy to, he said, forcing his voice to work. If you want to contact us, there are a few ways you can. 
Uh, you can use Elon Musk's x.com located at twitter.com to reach out to us at ZCPCWHJ on twitter.com. And I think my good friend and co-host John knows what that stands for. That's right. That stands for what the fuck? What the hell? What the fuck? I was trying to. That's so weird. I was trying to like do a fun thing with it. That stands for I don't know what I'm looking at. Uh, don't don't have safe search off generally. Don't do That's that. That's correct. Keep that safe search engaged. Safe search and safe search. Uh, you can also reach us by email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Maybe we'll fix the domain in the upcoming year. I don't know. Uh, I really don't have any idea. Uh, we're on every podcast app you can think of. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts until like April, Good Pods, Podchaser, etc. Anywhere you listen to us, if you could leave us a rating and a review, if that is possible, that would be great. We would greatly appreciate that. It just helps us out so much. But the best thing you can do beyond living your best life is just tell somebody about the podcast. If we have helped you in any way, shape, or form, let somebody else know that we're one of the shows you listen to. We know you listen to a bunch. We try to ignore the other ones. They continue to exist, and that's annoying. But if you could tell people about us, that would be great. We'd greatly appreciate it. We love you, and we'll continue to love you no matter what you do. But we'd love you more if you told people about us. <laughs> Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Bad Year Studios, we'd like to wish you a good next year. And from everyone here, I already said this. I don't, you said it too. Oh my God. All right, everybody. I didn't say it too. I said it to begin yeah, with. Yeah, well, I also said it. Everyone, have a good holiday. We'll see you in the new year. Hey, everyone, listen, have a good holiday, and we're going to see you in the new hey, year. Hey, everyone, listen. I know John hasn't said it yet. I just want you personally to have a good holiday. And, you know, just, we'll see you in the new year. Hey, everybody, Illuminati here, and I just want to tell you, have a good holidays, and we'll see you in the new year. I think you plagiarized me. So, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.